Hello humans, it's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 111, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes, and with me as always is Josh. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And Brandon. Hey everyone. So I'll be taking over your hostly duties for today, I hope that's okay with y'all, as our fearless co-host with me here. Uh, I've had a bit of a uh, tiring week. To say the <laughs> tiring least, day. Tiring, tiring day, tiring really. Tiring day, yeah. <laughs> a lot going tiring on two days. with Josh and Brandon. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into all of the fun stuff, if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can. Be sure to send an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com, and you can get us on Twitter, too, at notarobotcomics. And if you feel like supporting us, you can just visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcast for very little a month. And we also have our very own Discord server, and all of us here at Not A Robot are online and ready to talk. And with some support, you can find your way into the server to talk all things geek with us and other fans. So, before we get into all our news, let's take a look at the books we're talking about today. We'll be looking at New Champion of Shazam number two. Poison Ivy, number four. Sword of Azrael, number two. Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number four. Batman, number 127. Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, officially, number four. And Flashpoint Beyond, <laughs> number five. Uh, but first, let's get into some news. What's going on, guys? Uh, as you mentioned, uh, yes, it's been a, a very, very tiring uh, 48 hours for, for your old Uncle Brandon. Um uh, for those unaware, but I'm sure you're not because I've been talking about it excessively, um, I, I, I ventured into the dangerous city called New York last night um, for a very exciting afternoon with uh, the one and only master of the Scottish bro, Grant Morrison. Me and about 50 <laughs> other denizens of the city made our way to the Barnes & Noble in Union Square where we sat and listened to them talk for about an hour and change illuminating experience i was hanging on every single word and it was it was truly something else to see them live uh and in the flesh um and i am pleased to say that they are, are just as entertaining and hypnotic and and wonderful uh, as you uh, as you may have imagined um i took notes copious notes on the whole experience which i was hoping to share with my co-hosts but uh, i don't think they want to hear it um so uh, not counting that, um, it was just a, a really exciting experience. So that's uh, that's what's going on with me. That's why I'm uh, I'm so very tired. I can tell you without beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt, and, and you know we don't have to do it here on the podcast, but I literally want to hear every word you wrote down. <laughs> uh, is that so? I mean, <laughs> if, if man, I mean, I'm a I'm just I'm a huge fan of I guess I would say nearly everything he's done uh with a few exceptions few exceptions there are just there's so many examples of how fantastic of a comic book writer he is and I think yeah I think I, the I, uh, reason I do I do I do kind of have to correct you and I think this is particularly topical just because of the book that they just put out but Grant has sort of transitioned to using non-binary pronouns, so oh, primarily, I if you're going to refer too. to them, just yeah, use they them pronouns. Um, yeah. I still slip up all the time. Totally understandable, I mean, but 
part of I've the got a transitioning child and I slip up. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. obviously I do. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, Grant is just, it's been decades of a major, someone who is such a comic book fan you could okay boiling it down is you can just tell how much he loves these characters each and every time he writes whether or not you enjoy the story that they are telling um grant is at the bottom of their heart absolutely comics number one fan or at least pretty close to that well, I think you'll be very pleased with one of the notes that I put down in his response uh, to someone's question about the appreciation of these characters and the idea of uh, meta text. But uh, like you said, maybe we'll save that for after uh, the show. But I, I do want to leave the audience with this one salient point, one that, uh, that deeply unnerved me, uh, not because it was bad, but it just it's like when someone says something and it just kind of disrupts your soul because it hits so true. It was a quote that I sent last night as a quote from Grant as they were promoting their new book, which is called Luda, uh, which just came out yesterday uh, about uh, magic and drag queens, uh, a match made in heaven if ever I I saw one. Um, And uh, the quote was as simple as we are all drag, the explanation of which is that all of us in some way, given that drag is all about presentation and putting one aspect of your personality on the outside, um, is sort of something that each and every one of us do every single day of our lives, whether it be in a different scenario with friends or family or in school or at work or whatever. We're all in some way performing a version of drag as we uh, allow a version of our persona, of our personality to come to the surface and interact with the other people. And when they said that, it was like, oh, what the fuck? I just, it like, it like hit my soul. And it was it was like I had been I had been smiling for the first 20 minutes. And then after that, it was like my face kind of dropped and it just became a circle because I I couldn't smile anymore because it just it didn't make me uncomfortable. (laughs) It's like when someone says something that just rings so true, it just kind of leaves you in that that really like uncomfortable feeling like, damn, they really they really got me because it was oh, it was it was so true. And I feel like that every single day where I, I. there are, there are different aspects of my personality that I'm, I'm putting forth for the rest of the world to see, but each one is unique from the other one. None is more important than the other, but each one is a different aspect of my own personality. Um, and I think everyone feels that way in a certain respect. Um, so I hope that unsettles oh, yeah. you as much as it did me. Um, it was incredibly, <laughs> in, incredibly, incredibly profound, um, but also incredibly unnerving in, in how true it was. Um, as I said, wonderful experience. So I don't have any news this week aside from that, but I figured it was Titanic enough to share with you guys. Oh, absolutely it is. What did you say the name of their book is? Their their new book? It's spelled L-U-D-A. It has a very striking yellow cover featuring the main character of the book called Lucy LeBang, who's a drag queen, who is, again, the protagonist of the story. If I if I'm repeating, um, folks, it's because I'm really tired, so I, I apologize in advance. Um, but that's L U D A. Um, the book jacket cover was done by an artist I'd never heard of named Chad Sell, and I was very excited to learn an Easter egg that is uh, a gift from them to me, and now unto you, my friends. 
that if you look at some of the symbols on that cover, or if you pull it up on Google or whatever, those symbols are actually a sigil. And the sigil spells, and I, I don't remember exactly what it was, because they said it so fast I didn't get to write it down. But I believe it's something to the effect of, by the book, it will change your life. <laughs> Which is oh, genius. Awesome. Just just so genius. <laughs> um, so I, I believe the sigils, which are around the, um, the character's eyelashes, say something to that effect. Um, I haven't read it yet, so I don't know. Um, I, I was just so tired, I couldn't even... I couldn't even start, um, but I'm hoping to dig into it this weekend. Right yeah, I, I'm definitely looking for it. I didn't find it on Comic Vine. Uh, is it is it a it's, novel it's not or a, is it? A, it's a novel. Yeah, it's not it's not a comic. It's a, it's their okay. first novel, um, not counting Super Gods, given that that was sort of an autobiographical historical account. Of yeah, a little bit life. different there. Yeah, this this is a just a, a straight up novel um, with fictional characters and everything. And, uh, and I can I can give you all the intimate details once we're uh, off the air. Oh nope, it's already up on Google. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, the intimate details of the convention, absolutely. Of I the of that. the of the talk, yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, I I don't really have a whole lot of news. Um, just a couple real brief things. Uh, that I wanted to mention. Um. And two of them are from advertisements that I saw this week in books. The first one is Batman versus Robin. It has the tagline, a Wayne will rise and a Wayne will fall. Oh, God. And I see Alfred on that page. If they bring Alfred back, I will be upset. Erasing something so pitiful for so many, uh, uh, pivotal for so many characters is just a bad idea. I see Zatanna. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe. It'd be pitiful if they brought him back. I see Zatanna on there, and she is drawn bigger than anybody else on the page. Livewire and Talia is there as well. I really hope I don't hate this. Um, but uh, It's Flatline, oh, not Livewire. Yeah, Flatline. Thank you. <laughs> um uh, I don't know if it was Mama Azrar that drew this ad, but if it is, that whole that, the whole book is just going to be gorgeous. It is. It, it he uh, Mama yeah. Azrar is the artist on the book as or he did the advertisement as well. Yes. Oh wow! Okay, that's sick. Uh, at, at least, no matter what happens, at least the art is going to be gorgeous. Also, DC Horror presents Sergeant Rock versus the army of the dead is coming out i mean holy shit i'm going to say i don't think eduardo riso has ever been better and that's saying a lot major major talent there and amazing colors too though i don't know uh, who gets to take the credit for that one and then finally at heroes comic con in brussels expo at, at the brussels expo in belgium something really really weird happened C.B. Sobolski and Mary Javins, I think is how you say the last name. Marie which, Javins. Marie, oh yeah, sorry, Marie Javins, the editors-in-chief at Marvel and DC, respectively, headed a panel together. I I wouldn't read too much into it, but I I do think it's worth noting. I think that's 
granted, they are friendly, I wouldn't say co-workers, but they are friendly industry people, and they have crossed paths before, but the fact that the editors-in-chief were sharing the stage at the same time just kind of made me go, huh? But anyway, that, that's all I've got for the news. Rob, did you get anything? Have, have they not been friendly in the past? I'm kind of confused by the... Oh, they. I mean, they've been friendly in the past, but the fact that DC's editor-in-chief is on the stage at the same time as Marvel's kind of just... Oh, it really yeah. surprised me. Oh, oh, wow. I actually, I completely forgot. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I, I got confused who Marie Javins was. Okay, shoot. Yeah, that is interesting. Like I said, I probably wouldn't read too much into it. I really don't think we're getting the fulfillment of Doomsday Clock anytime soon. 2025. But, it's coming. Yeah, we'll Probably see. Jeff Johns to it. <laughs> we will see. If anybody can do it, it's James Gunn at this point. But <laughs> yeah, we'll see. yeah. Uh, nah, I, I'm. A... You lose Rob. Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna try that again. Rob dropped out for a second, but okay. everything's going to be just fine. What was, what was the last thing you heard? I want to say you were saying something about a movie. Oh, uh, probably I was binging the Orville the past week. Ah. Past couple of weeks. Uh, it's a hell isn't of a damn it? show. Oh, I isn't hope it they get a season four. My God, it's fantastic. It really is. If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. Um... But that's not comic news. The I, I honestly have nothing else. That's it's not much been going on. I haven't seen anything noteworthy. But I did want to mention before we get into the honorable mentions because it is a book about or from the honorable mentions. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the end of it. Uh, Batman Beyond New Year number six promises more Batman Beyond coming in twenty twenty three, which for mm-hmm. me is sweet. great. I'm happy about that. Uh, I'm I'm no stranger to saying that i love batman beyond so more coming i'm happy for it absolutely yep so i guess we'll uh use that to swing over to the honorable mentions and pick up where rob left off neo year number six normally the end of a series would be featured in our spotlight but there are two things here one it will be returning in 2023 like rob said And I'm not sure for the break why. Uh, Story, timing, creative teams, whatever that is, it remains to be seen. But the second thing is, man, y'all got to read this. Uh, This is such a great Batman Beyond story. It's unlike Jurgen's run in a whole bunch of different ways. And I do love it. No offense, Dan. This this really kicks ass. Uh, Second, uh, also in the honorable mentions, is Dark Knights of Steel, Tales from the Three Kingdoms. Do not make assumptions from this cover. It is not for your four-year-old. It's not a kid's version. It is a set of three stories, all prequel stories, but enjoyable ones, each with great art and really good creative teams. I enjoyed all three. We got Multiversity Teen Justice number four. I guess Kilowog in a blonde wig wasn't working for anyone because now he's in a brown one. Or 
now she's in a brown one. Now they're in a brown one. Now Kilowog is in a brown one. That's a, uh, other than that. Raven is broody. The story is continuing at a pretty slow pace, and there's a panel where evil Kyle Rayner makes a comment about how the last person who threatened him ended up in a freezer. Yeah, I cringe at that. <laughs> I did too. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Black items, Black Adams Dust of Society files, Adam Smasher number one. Still tiny looks into the JSA members and the new history of Black Adam. As long as you don't care that it exists just because of the movie, you should be okay. It's a fun one, nice to look at, and the stories are not bad. And finally, for the honorable mentions, is uh, last but not least, I should say, Dear Detective Number One. It is the incomparable art of Lee Bermeo, accompanied by a long letter placed throughout the pages, a riddle, taunting, poking fun at Batman. Uh, using uh, using some symbols to using some symbols to uh, replace letters like cryptography, and the signature at the end is one that you would have to go back and reread what you've read in order to code the name at the bottom. Given the nature of the letter, it's kind of hard to nail down who is writing it as you're reading it, because it seems like it might be a few people. And I don't know if I should give it away. Matter of fact, I'm not going to give it away. You want to go out and get this book in any in any case because of how gorgeous it is. It is it is quite literally a love letter to Batman, and uh, the letter that's inside of it again, it's written by Batman's one true enemy. And I I can't I can't uh, I can't pump that one up enough. It was. It was a real, real sweet job. Uh, Brandon, did you get a chance to look at any of those this week? No, I didn't. I know you've been you've been pretty busy. Can I can I can I strongly suggest you at least check out Dear Detective? I, I probably will since I'm well. I like Liebermejo's art. His writing is a bit of a different story. He did a book in Vertigo. I think it was called um, Suiciders, and that was questionable um but i will i will definitely check this out yeah th- this isn't quite so much uh not not even so much a story it is a place for him to show off all of his fantastic bat art with it's his covers if i remember correctly but um, yeah yeah i know they were saying they were going to try and string it together to make a story but S- somewhat very yeah. very loosely but i enjoyed the hell out of it it's so gorgeous mm-hmm. See, do we do do we got a Rob here? Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to find that Kyle Rayner page because uh, he he used oh my god he used a certain name instead of Chip, and I'm trying to find it because I can't remember what it is, and I thought maybe oh come on what that's just too weird. And I'm trying hmm. to find it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Chipolata. What? Chipolata. <laughs> what? Why? Why would Chip be called Chipolata? <laughs> As obviously Chip is the leader of the Squirrel Amazons. 
apparently. And I'm really confused why Kyle is not gender bent as well, but that's neither here nor there. Apparently, a gender bent Kyle is just a dick that that stuffs his girlfriends in freezers. Which with 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 red hair, reddish hair. With red hair, yeah. You know, as you do apparently when you have red hair. Oh, you know, all redheads are evil. That's what this writer's trying to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys ready to swing some spotlight? Yeah, let's do it. Sure thing. Uh, So our first book, uh, I believe that is me, uh, is New Champion of Shazam number two. Just give me one sec. And I will pull up the book. I'm having some technical difficulties over here, folks. Sorry about that. <laughs> Everything seems to be working against me today. And here I was supposed to be the one that was prepared. <laughs> oh, so. no! Okay, so, new champion of Shazam number two. That is written by Josie Campbell with art from the incomparable Evan Doc Shaner and letters from Becca Carey. So we have our new champion of Shazam. Uh is gone off to a new college uh, closer to home back in Fawcett City, Fawcett Community College, uh, where she has become, uh, decided to go there to get a little closer to her family, uh, and Mary goes to see her adopted siblings uh, to see how they're doing, where all of them are, are not really doing so great, including Darla, who does get cheered up very quickly by the appearance of Hoppy in Mary's backpack. Uh, so Mary goes off to college where eugene is actually taking classes there and tries to talk to him but he brushes her off because he has a reputation to uphold in the college and he's also bummed about the fact that their parents are gone they have no powers and there's nothing they can do to save anyone uh so mary goes off to her first class feeling a little defeated uh how she can't help her, her brothers and sister <coughs> Uh, meets her first professor, but right as the class begins, there's a crash on the local freeway. Uh, so she sneaks out, uh, transforms into Mary Marvel, and heads off to fight what appears to be a giant alligator, which Hoppy says is kind of uh, created for magic, but not really full of magic in a very cryptic way. But there is a little device on the belly of the I, at least I'm assuming it's an alligator might be a crocodile, I really don't know the difference uh, that Mary says it looks familiar because she has seen it before as you might have remember from the first issue with the bank robbery it explodes and in its place appears three cloaked figures shadowy figures if you will uh, with devices on each of their chests they seem to be technologically uh, powered uh, and can control the electricity that she will uh, that she does send at them, and they send it right back to her. Hoppy tries to get in the way, but is quickly electrocuted and uh, left unresponsive, uh, and they leave with the crocagator with wings. I forgot it has wings, which is, is extra weird. Uh, so Mary yeah, let's Hoppy. just call it a chimera. Uh, that's better. It's a chimera. <laughs> <laughs> um... So Mary takes Hoppy and runs off 
but is interrupted by some uh, news reporters on camera trying to answer or trying to ask a bunch of a bunch of questions. But then she flies away, feeling a little overwhelmed. Uh, lands somewhere near an abandoned warehouse, transforms back to Mary, and then notices a whole bunch of missing posters, including her parents, Rosa and Victor. Uh, where she realizes that it's not just her parents. Uh, there are people all over the city that have gone missing. And now she begins to wonder just what is really going on. What's so for me, going on? Is still perfect. I think a great voice for this character is coming out of Josie Campbell. And Doc, as usual, is just perfect, especially for Shazam. You can't really... Like, you have other artists that have done Shazam really well, but I really don't think there's anybody but Doc at this point can do a good Shazam book without it coming out. I mean, I, for, for quite some time at the very least, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you there. Otherwise from most of them come out looking a little too cartoony for me. Yeah. But with doc, he's got the, he's got a classic feel to his art that really brings out the, the, uh, what, what was the, the original comics? Wiz Comics. Fossil the Comics. Original, original? The yeah. book was called Wiz Comics, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that really brings out that feel, that classic style. So, yeah, I, I gave it an 8.75. I loved it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I hope we get more Shazam down the road. Me too. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I like the pencils. I like the colors. The glass reflection panel. That was awesome. The story is still interesting, but I do need to know who the hell these fuzzy black Incredibles are. They they look like Incredibles anyway. Uh, it's it's fun. It keeps me reading. Reading. It's easy to look at. I wish I knew that there was going to be more story after this short arc, or at least at least. I wish it was going to be a little longer, but I I suppose I will take what we can get. That said, do we think that do we think that her superhero name is going to remain Mary Marvel or should she shall she adopt the moniker of Shazam? That, what that do you think, Brandon? Question. I, it's, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Probably Shazam then, yeah. If not Mary Marvel anymore. Um, Alright. Well, I was just curious. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, no, this one is... Uh, it's it's still fun. It's still uh, still very cute. Definitely has the the spirit of the old uh, uh, Wiz comics and Shazam comics. Feels um, a lot more whimsical, I think, than uh, the previous um, Captain Marvel Shazam books have. Um, the the Fawcett Community College Fawcett City Radio was a fun uh, callback to to the. Shazam's original location, Fawcett City, although it does kind of call into question whether or not Fawcett City still exists um, and whether or not the Shazam family were ever a part of it, um, as well as uh, Mary kind of makes her debut on TV and they're like, who are you? It's like, wait a minute. You don't know who she is? Mary Marvel. Everyone knows Mary Marvel. 
you should know her as well as you know Captain Marvel, um, which is right. felt a little odd. But again, it, it just it sort of calls into question what's even in continuity anymore and what's not. So, and that gives me a headache. Um, so I'm not even gonna try. Um, but other than that, it's, uh, it's it's still pretty fun. Um, so this one got a, a 7.75 out of 10 for me. Right on. So, uh, yeah, I already don't have a good transition. We're going to go to Poison Ivy number four next. <laughs> Written by G. Willow Wilson with art by Marcio Takara and Arif Prianto. Letters from Hassan Otsmani Alhau and Jessica Fong did the cover. Picking right up from last issue, Ivy is, Ivy is starting that job. Uh, it's a real shitty place, real asshole of a boss, uh, pee in a bottle, and all that kind of deal. She's there because it's a shipping warehouse and she can infect the packages going everywhere in the world. She does just that for a bit before seeing the boss sexually assault her co-worker for a second time that morning. So she says, I'll be right back, goes up to the boss's office, infects him, makes him trip, makes him write an email supporting raises and a union for all of his employees. Ivy used a lot. He'll be dead in minutes. So Ivy and the co-worker skip work and hook up. Afterwards, she's writing to Harley again, saying she was thinking of her the whole time she was doing the other chick and that she really doesn't want to die anymore. She gets attacked by a plant monster while the other girl from the factory is still there. So now she knows for sure it's not hallucinations. It's the green man. And now they're after each other. You would think that DC would stick to one identity using the name green man. I mean, in various different in various different eras and various different stories, uh, the Green Man's been used. Swamp Thing, Green Arrow, Green Lantern of 2828, I think. And because of that last one, it always makes me giggle. Uh, but anyway, interesting turn here. The plot thickens. How does she turn back from where she is and what she has done? Well, the art keep being as killer as it is. <laughs> There's only one way to find out. That's to read the extended run of this series. I am thankful that it got more issues and I will continue to be doing so. I gave Poison Ivy number four a nine out of ten. Is, is Green... I should have asked Rob ahead of time. Is Green Man... Is that Green Lantern of 2828? I believe that's 2828. I believe it is 2828, uh, and I believe that is right because he's the partner of Stell, the robot, who I believe is also from 2828. So. Okay, I, I know Green Man was a weird one for sure. Well, you should see his partner. <laughs> well, what did you guys think of Poison Ivy? Honestly, the, the, this, this has become, I think, the runaway book of the summer, and it just keeps getting better. Uh, I, I did have a short criticism about it, but I'll get to that after I talk about all the fun stuff I liked. <laughs> uh, with, with now that we are confirmed this as a second story are coming, I am super excited to see how this one ends, considering this was supposed to be six issues, and it felt like it still feels like a pretty self-contained story, so what the hell is next that would get another six issues? Um, 
the art still fantastic. Uh, a great voice for Poison Ivy. Uh, still holding on to that relationship with Harley while still furthering this whole idea that Ivy has that she needs to kill the world finally. And, and just keeping on this mystery of uh, the Green Man, who I, I think we all realistically know is uh, the Floronic Man, but I think they're trying to keep that under wraps still for some reason. Uh, my, my only gripe, though, is that every chapter so far, story-wise, plot-wise, has been relatively the same. Like, Ivy ends up somewhere in the country to spread more spores in a creative new way, but then comes across someone that gives her a bit of humanity back and some hope and then she has to kill for them and then she goes to continue her journey once you just found out who she really is and it's 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 almost like a, a monster of the week kind of episode sort uh, of i can see of the that week episode kind of deal yeah but it's i've always loved those shows so for some people i can understand they wouldn't um but there's two issues left so i imagine they're going to be shying away from that that archetype very soon uh, no, I will say this: great. this is the first time that we've seen her willingly stop herself from infecting someone. Though have we not? It's the first time it's at least it's ever been put on page where she's actively making sure she's not transmitting spores. Is that right? Am I missing that? I think she she tried to do it uh, the last issue with the hotel owner or motel. Owner. Or she just tried to keep her distance. I, I don't remember. I could be wrong about that. Uh, she was probably doing it, and I just don't remember. Uh, who knows? Anyway. Uh, all in all, I gave this another 8.75. Fantastic run so far. I uh, hope they keep it up. I think they will. It's been four issues so far. It hasn't slowed down yet. All right. Uh, I did not get a chance to read this one. Uh, time ran out for me, like the end of Hickman's Avengers run, and, and this was <laughs> one of the holdouts. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to read it, but it sounds very good, and, and I enjoy the last issue immensely, so I imagine this one will be good too. Um, as to your point, Rob, about who the Green Man is, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. There's only one person the Green Man can be, and that's Charlie Kelly. Um, but, uh, yeah, Wild card, yeah. Bitches. yeah, yeah, all my, all my, it's always sunny fans are going to get that one. Um, that's another and, shot that's uh, changing recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You said you green not? man. And that was, that was like the first thing that popped into my head and I was imagining <laughs> him showing up and hunting poison ivy and that made me laugh. Um, man, inside. I'm sorry I've been scaring you. Like. I know. I, I just, I just really wanted to be the mascot. I thought I could help. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would, call I would Siku, That's not my name. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I, uh, I hope it's as as good as the last issue. And I do too. I hope they all are. <laughs> okay, so that. Oh, is oh, one. oh! Wait, there was another point. Um, I hate buying this book. Um, I hate buying this book because um, it makes me feel like a pervert. Every time I go into the store and I have the guy pull the book for me, it so I so I, I the covers I, I forget this artist's name. I'm sorry, like I said, it's I'm very tired. Um, but um, whoever this artist is, like I have it sitting on my desk right now, 
and they're doing a wonderful job, but it's just these very cheesecakey covers, which is fine, but it just I like I feel uncomfortable buying it because like I just look at it and I, I feel like I'm getting stares because they're they're of a very specific type of cover. Um, it, it, it like reminds me of like those Witchblade covers from Image. Um, yeah, and the All special right. report is I feel like a pervert every time I pick up this book because it's like a very <laughs> sexualized version of Poison Ivy, and I just I feel weird about it. But and like I said, I hope the, this issue is is good. I hope the story is good, and it makes up for me feeling like a gross sex pest. <laughs> they they are. Um, I I see what you're saying with the. Uh with the way that the covers look. I, I get that. They're, 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 they're drawn a certain way. Which is fine. It's just, I don't know. I, I feel kind of like, I feel kind of iffy about it sometimes when it's just like, I have it hanging around my room. It's like, it's like you snuck your dad's playboy. And, and you don't <laughs> want anyone to, you don't want anyone to see it lest they judge you. Um, but uh, I, probably won't. I mean, for those who are unaware, it is Ivy sitting at a desk. Um, there's some blood around her, some veins, some 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 plant matter, and her shirt is unbuttoned to the point where you can see her bra quite a bit. Uh, but to be fair, pretty much all of the Poison Ivy covers have been something similar. Fantastic talent, though, man. Fantastic oh, yeah. talent. Yeah, I, I would say you'd be fine if somebody just saw the cover, then like poked their head inside to confirm what it was, because normally it would be just you know it's a comic book. There's people talking, it's it's superheroes and whatnot. But then this issue, it'd be awkward if you're at that like graphic sex page. No, it's not what you think. No. <laughs> oh no. Oh man. It's, it's, it's not the, that. The graphic. story is really good. I promise. I promise. Yeah. It's not. It's not what Super you good. Articles. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we tell everyone. I'm, I'm going to go on another tangent. Again, I'm sorry. It's just where my mind is. But I remember I was reading Gail Simone did Red Sonia. Um, and oh. it is it is a brilliant run. It is one of, one of the best. I mean, there aren't a lot of great Red Sonya runs, but it's arguably no. The there's not. And I and I loved reading it so much. Um, but every time I would pick it up from the library, I I would like I would feel really self conscious about it. And so I would always sneak it in my backpack because this was like 2015 or 14 or something. And I, I would sneak it in my backpack because I was scared my mom would see it um, and be like, "Why are you? Why? What is what is this story?" And then I would have to explain. I was like, "No, no, it's not like that at all. Like, it's actually it's a really great character study of, of Sonia, done in a way that only Gail Simone can do. Um, but like, the covers are super misleading because you look at it and you think it's like you know it's it's total like TNA garbage, but yeah. uh, it's it's actually not. It's really great. Um, but I was I was always like self conscious. Someone would see it and be like, "Wait." I would have to. I would have to explain and be like, "Wait, no, it's not like that. It's not what you think." Um, so that's a, that's a humorous anecdote to make you there. What is this smut? I know. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, I'm, no, I can explain. <laughs> it's like an episode of Seinfeld or something. Whoa. 
Do you know what I just realized? And it, uh, maybe, 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 maybe it's just connecting dots on two different pages here. But and I'm sorry, but I'm going way backwards. Grant Morrison's new book is called Luda, and it's about drag queens and dark magic. Mm-hmm. And um, Luda is also the name of uh, of uh, Leatherface's mom, Leatherface, who famously likes to dress up as women. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wow. Holy Easter egg, Batman! <laughs> I did not catch that. That's insane. That's freaking. Wonder... That just come to you? Yeah, and I, I it oh makes me wonder if Grant Morrison is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan. Is that is that is that like one of those is that like one of those no sleep moments of genius? Because I've had those where you're just like no, your it, brain is it so might checked be. out, and, and then you're like, oh my god, and you just come where did that bell just that. come from? <laughs> whoa, <laughs> like yeah, whoa, oh, it it anyway. very well could be, yeah. Nice. All right. Anyway, great. That was a when you're not a, when, when you don't get any sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That's what so, they keep telling me. <laughs> so we're gonna go from one Gotham City adjacent character to another Gotham City adjacent character uh, with Sword of Azrael number two. We are going to do that, Brandon. Yes, but uh, but we're not in Gotham City, and not quite uh, as we are in. The distant isle of of I, I don't remember exactly where this monastery is supposed to be. Um, it will come to me later, I'm sure. But we're there um, because, uh, as we know, uh, Jean Paul is taking a little bit of a vacation, a sojourn, just to get his head right. Uh, so this is Sword of Azrael number two, written by Dan Waters with art from Nicola Cisnesija, with colors from Marissa Louise and letters from Hassan Atzmain El Hau. John Paul faces off against Vengeance, who has come to collect the young French girl, Brielle, on behalf of the Knights Templar. After Vengeance nearly gets the upper hand on John Paul, his friend, Brother Carl, steps in to save John Paul's life. Vengeance believes that the mission has been compromised and decides to leave, and then John Paul heads back to the monastery, only to find the bloody aftermath of Brielle's fanatic slaughters seen at the end of the last issue. She declares herself to be Sariel, an angel of God, and Jean Paul realizes that she is like him, a fellow uh, creepy robot programmed by a mysterious order. They decide to flee from the monastery and hide in Athens so that Jean Paul may collect some answers on what Brielle's angel persona may be. To do this, Jean Paul delves into the system within his mind to seek out the answers, testing out his theory that the system is actually a black box containing the memories of the Order of Saint Dumas. He turns out to be correct, though horrifically so, as the memories that John Paul discovers are so vile and so graphic that they trap him within his own mind. Meanwhile, the poor fellow introduced in Dark Knights of Soul, who has been watching John Paul uh, and Brielle's place in Athens during all of this, decides to intervene now, seeking out Brielle and telling her that she truly is an angel, offers her a place among the Knights Templar. She accepts, taking John Paul's sword as she departs. Uh, this was definitely a bit more of an expository issue, but the revelation about Brielle and the system are all very fascinating, and I can't wait to see how they unfold here. I think Dan Waters is 
approaching Azrael's mythology in a very creative way. Um, sort of like kind of reminds me of Immortal Hulk, where they're getting more into the psychological side, um, which we should definitely see more of with a character that is dis as disturbed as Azrael. Zmezja does an excellent job with the action and the softer moments as well, uh, and mm -hmm. really does a great job, I assume, of interpreting Water's script, which I imagine has a lot of metaphysical and philosophical language in it. Um, so I gave this one an 8 out of 10. Oh, yeah. Man, I, I don't think I've been into an Azrael story in a long time. He was one of those characters that were great and then just kind of got shuffled off into the broom closet. Here, do something with him. Uh, even sent his ass to nineties characters. So. Yeah, the, even sent his ass to space with a bunch of other people who were doing nothing at the time. Poor Jessica <laughs> Cruz. But uh, I had, of course, so I had serious doubts when I picked this up. Now I can't wait for issue three just to see what happens. Uh, bring back the poor fellow, more of the Templar lore. Things could get pretty cool. I really like the art especially the page that showed the descent, uh, his descent into the system. That was cool as hell. Surprised me, man. Go, go, Azrael. 8.25 out of 10. <laughs> I'm just picturing certain members of the Bat Fam or a different Power Ranger. Oh, man. I, no, I was imagining... I think we're in the same wavelength, but I, I was imagining... Um, because there have been many different Azrael's through history, and I was imagining them like all coming together as a Power Rangers force, and like <laughs> because they're all crazy, each one is taking on like a different aspect of like Christianity. So instead of it being like Mastodon or whatever, it's like like vengeance, uh, uh, faith, uh, servitude, and, and they all like come together and they form a, a giant uh, Christ robot. <laughs> that's probably that's probably blasphemy. I shouldn't say that, but uh, but it was entertaining to think about. It, <laughs> right. <laughs> in all my years and all the discussions I've had and the wild ideas and crazy <laughs> stories and people coming up with the the most zany shit possible, myself included, I've come up with some pretty zany shit. Never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought I'd hear about Christian Power Rangers. Oh, Jesus Zord. I'm sure oh, it exists. You'd be surprised how many Christian knockoffs there are. Still. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, is Zordon Jesus? Oh my, oh my god. god. <laughs> Zordon is Jesus. Does that mean um what's the what's the robot's Alpha name again? Five. Alpha Five is Alpha Five like Saint Peter? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Probably. Stumbled on something. <laughs> oh my god! Save this it, is how you can it. tell I'm at tell least 15 us. years older than everybody else. Because the yeah. first thing I thought of when I said "go go" was Inspector Gadget. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I also partook in Inspector Gadget when I was a child, but I'm more used to go. Well, to actually, <laughs> it, it kind of works because Brielle is like is like Penny, and uh, and uh, uh, Azrael can be at the creepy zealous version of uh, inspector gadget oh and vengeance is a vengeance is claw maybe or the poor fellow's claw i don't know you can look poor, poor fellow's probably claw <laughs> i used to love I, I didn't watch claw. the cartoon it was before my time but we used to rent the movies from 
from Blockbuster, if you can believe it. I used to love the crap out of those. Um, they're so terrible, but they're so entertaining. The the Matthew Broderick movies. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Those oh. were those were something else. The cartoons yeah. are so much better. Oh yeah, the, the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s. That was the real shit right there. <laughs> I'm not one to say that modern stuff is not good, but I, I will admit that classic dim, Inspector dim, Gadget dim, is dim, way better than dim, modern dim, Inspector dim, Gadget. Dim, 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 <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, sort of a Power Ranger gadget reel. Uh, yeah, interesting premise so far. Uh, I'm curious where it ends up. That's all the notes I had because it feels like everything else I could have talked about happened in the first issue as well with uh, you know, the, the biblical version of Asriel appearing in, in John Paul Valley's mind. Uh, again, like brilliant artwork, beautiful style, uh, just not... This was really... It felt just like plot moving. That's all it really was. Uh, so it... Progression! Plot. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I do not remember the precursor story to this though, with um, what was the villain's name? Uh, poor fellow. That was in um, it was in Urban Legends originally. Okay, but they was reprinted it as the Dark Knight's Lily Soul. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe. I, yeah, it was I the one that that story, but I don't remember. Do you remember when when they dropped? This book, they drop the compendium of the other one as well. I guess not a compendium. They just they just collect collected yeah, it all, right? Collected edition, yeah. Um, hmm. But yeah, but, but good story. Though. I thought I did, but I don't know. Maybe. And I'm, were you were yeah. you there when we were talking about it? I don't actually. Wait a minute. You know what? We probably didn't even cover it because we weren't covering Urban Legends anymore. So that's probably no. why. But um, I still I still read or, a good chunk of Urban Legends. I actually, I mean, I vaguely remember talking about it, but maybe it was just the, the first, first, first one. Part. Yeah, yeah, the first part. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. we're here now. <laughs> oh God! If, you, if you're as confused as I am, you know where to look. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote Grant again from last night. Time is everything, and time is nothing. So, what even? When even did it happen? Or maybe it never did. Who knows? What a profound fellow. I need to meet uh, Time is everything and time is nothing. I was like, that, fuck. Yes. It broke my heart. Um, so yes, uh, maybe it happened, Rob, or maybe it didn't. Or maybe it will happen. Well, maybe it hasn't happened yet, correct? <laughs> maybe it's happening right <laughs> oh now. God. Oh, oh, God, that sleep. broke me. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe this right is the moment where you were meant to read it. And in the spirit of going off on a tangent, that's always, <laughs> that always uh, makes me think. Every time we, I, I hear about something like that, that that one scene in Spaceballs, oh where they, they pop one. in the videotape to see where um, <laughs> the heroes are, and then they end yeah. up now. Sphinx, 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 I haven't rewatched that in so long. Uh, Stay tuned for Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Spaceballs uh. lunchbox. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's a movie we have to revisit. Okay. 
Yeah, that's for another uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I gave my score yet for Azrael number two. It's an eight out of ten. Solid book so far. Curious to see where it ends up. That being said, we're going to go from uh, one uh, religion with gods to another not religion with gods. I'm horrible at these transitions. My <laughs> God, somebody else take over. It's You're Nubia. better than me, buddy. <laughs> You're so pretty good compared to my, uh, my croc. Uh, Nubia <laughs> Queen of the Amazons, number four, coming at you. And that is brought to us by Mr. Josh. That's me. Nice to meet you all. Josh Williamson. <laughs> no. Yeah, we'll talk about him later. <laughs> I I finish things I start. <laughs> Written by Stephanie Williams, art from Alita Martinez, Mark Morales, and John Livesey with Alex Guamirez, and letters from Becky Carey with the cover from Carrie Randolph, who, by the way, Carrie Randolph was one bad man pajama. I, I never heard that name, so I had to look it up. Damn, they've done some good work. Uh, oh, anyway. yeah. Check out a book called Excellence. It is, no surprise, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Randolph. Easily one of my favorite books I read uh, last year. Heck, yeah. Dang. That's a, that's some pretty high praise. Yeah. So, though Nubia and Zilla, or Nasser, if you will, for all of six seconds, they're they're from the same place, right? Yeah. Like like Nubia was her hero. Am am I am I forgetting something? Why are Zilla's ears pointed like she's from Lord of the Rings? I mean, it's probably nothing, but I just noticed it, so I thought I would ask if there's something I'm missing there. Were fanged, uh, and that's because the artist thought it was cool, and then Mm -hmm. forgot. Ah, gotcha. Okay, so anyway, here we go. We get two quick glimpses. First of Amazons and cities looking at the damage and trying to help. The second quick glimpse we get in this book is of God saying they're going to remind humans of who's in charge. Other than that, the whole book is uh, Nubia and Zilla fighting. Very, very generic banter between the two of them goes on throughout the whole book. And that is the book. Uh, It carries little to no importance for anything. Uh, The amulets, the battles, none of it made anything. It was introduced and then it was pushed pushed away and pushed. Not even the characters had anything real important. It was four issues just to have four issues and it could have been really something. Instead... It ends with a hero and a mustache-twirling villain dialogue that just did not do it for me. I didn't hate it, but I do feel like it was a real waste. I did dig the art, but Nubia deserved better than whatever this was supposed to be. So, it got a 6 out of 10. It did nothing. Yeah. How about you guys? Cool to see the the end of the story, I suppose. But at this point, I was having trouble caring. As the story's been going on, I, I don't remember how I've been saying it, but I've just been getting less and less interested. And while I was trying to keep up beats with it and, and be excited for it, because uh, I really dug the newbie stuff we've had so far, this story kind of fell off. Uh, it just wasn't the most exciting at the end of it. Uh, the art was fairly good. 
Uh, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed the art. Uh, I, I'm confused about the pointy ears and things, though. That, that was a little out of place. Uh, and there's just a lot of story beats that were not explained, like you said. Um, yeah, they, they showed the history, but they don't show much about what the point of now is. So I, I, I gave it a 7. Uh, the art really bumped it up for me. And the fact that they, they do promise to see more coming from the story in the pages of Wonder Woman uh, promises uh, to lead us to something more and hopefully some more answers, but that remains to be seen. We saw the same thing mentioned in Yara Floor, so I almost feel like that's just going to be the case is, hey, if you want to see more Amazons, buy the one Amazon book that we're going to be putting out. Um Surely some of them will show up in there at some point. And that ticks me off. I mean, I'm not going to rage about it, but, I mean, again, we've got 1,303 Batman books. We could at least have a few Wonderverse books. Yep. What did you think, Brandon? Uh, this was another one that uh, I did not get a chance to read again because time ran out. Um, I mean, Persians came. Um, but I'm, I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not hearing good things and I, I the series has been kind of a wash for the most part so I'm not looking forward um, to, to this ending um, and I'm disappointed to hear that it's not completely wrapped up it's just leading to uh, I guess Wonder Woman also but Wonder Woman has a whole other story going on I guess it just finished its milk story, so maybe this is going to be the next story. I don't know. I haven't looked at Tale of the Psychic Milk. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, that's that's sad to hear. Very sad to hear. Okay. Very Can sad I to say. point you guys, though? Oh, sure. You, you've both been raving about how the milk story in Wonder Woman is done, but it's just the Dr. Psycho story is done. The milk is still there. Uh Oh, oh no, yeah, I wasn't happy about it. I think it's oh. total bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever what's her name is, I forget who it's who it even is supposed to be, but that person I, I I don't even remember. That's how insignificant, that's how important this stupid shit is to me. Psychic fucking milk. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, don't don't think of Deimos or Grail or the Horsewomen of the Apocalypse. Don't think of Hecate or the Upside Down Man. Wonder Woman's biggest arc as of now should be Milk. How the fuck did they sell that? How did they sell that? How how did how, you walking into the editor's room and you're like, hey, check this out. Like I know. We just got done dragging Diane after dying and saving the universe, the omniverse in death metal. We put her through every pantheon and then we had her fighting her own pantheons. And now we've got her back on earth and check this out. Check this out. After fighting all of those gods. Now, what if we find out that she's lactose intolerant? <laughs> I could simplify that further. I could just see uh, uh, somebody walking into the, the editor's office, putting a glass of milk on the, the desk. I'm like, that's it. And they're like, what? what? It's milk. And like, yeah, it's evil. And like, boom, you can just do it. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, 
maybe psychedelics shouldn't be allowed in the in the comics workplace. I'm just <laughs> maybe the milk just is laced with mushrooms. We don't know. I'm not gonna lie. Having tasted milk and mushrooms, that would be some nasty ass milk. Uh, I, I can imagine. I've never <laughs> tasted psychedelic mushrooms, but I've tasted other mushrooms, and <laughs> I, I can't imagine any mushrooms would be good with milk. Huh. Yeah. I mean, well, that's for another week when <laughs> the next issue of Wonder Woman comes out. For now, right. though, that is it for our spotlight issues and our honorable mentions. So we're going to take a short break. Stay tuned. Don't go too far away. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, so we are about to get into our in-depth reviews, uh, which promise to be a little bit longer, a little more personalized, a little more detailed. But realistically, they're not much different from our spotlight reviews because uh, we tend to go on. <laughs> we just talk uh, too off, goddamn much. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we are going to talk about Batman number one twenty-seven. I'm going to tell us, uh, tell you all about that. If my phone would stop acting up, oh my god! I'm plugged into my computer, but it keeps unplugging and plugging itself back in, so I'm constantly getting dings in my ear. <laughs> uh, so this uh, issue of Batman was written by Chip Starsky, with art from Jorge Jimenez, colors from Tomomori, and letters from Clayton Cowles. Uh, so we open up on a brief interlude of Batman and Superman in the past, just titled The Then, but through their conversation, you get the text box that tells you that this takes place during the classic uh, JLA story arc from Mark Wade, Tower of Babel, uh, where Bruce Babel Wayne... son, <clears throat> lest you spite your, uh, your Christian masters. Apparently, I was always Protestant anyway. So. <laughs> um, I, don't know, maybe I guess you could say my own system kicked in and I was like, blasphemy. You said babble wrong. Wait, there, must there be was, punished. <laughs> maybe it might honestly just be like a, a cultural thing between our two countries again. Because I am sure. There, yeah. there was a, a much music VJ, if I remember right. His name was Matt Babel. And. If I if that was if I that sounds right, I think that was his last name, and they always pronounce it like that. So that just got stuck in my head. I don't know. I feel like I'm very wrong, but anyway, <laughs> Tower of Babel, um, <clears throat> where it was discovered that Batman kept files on every member of the Justice League, uh, in the eventuality that one of them went rogue and kept. Uh, contingency plans to take down each and every one of them but it fell into the wrong hands and uh, those hands systematically attacked the Justice League and then they voted Batman out because he did this without their knowing uh, so Superman and Batman are talking about the votes and, and Superman's asking what's your contingency plan for yourself what's the plan to take down the Batman and as Batman famously says uh, as you've seen this scene in many things, I believe, including the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, uh, it's you, Clark. It's the Justice League. Uh, as Clark then replies, really, how does the League take down the man who's planned for us? Tell me the truth, damn it. Uh, in a world where you know your every move, who stops the Batman? And then we cut to now, uh, where we know who stops the Batman, and that is failsafe. But also, that is what Batman we call a flawless transition. 
exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, Batman of Zerenar, which I will just refer to as Zerenar from here on out, uh, has emerged from his cave within a cave uh, to Tim Drake's surprise uh, and saves him from tripping and falling down a cavern because Tim is obviously a little taken aback by what's going on. And he says that I am Batman, pure and simple, the Batman of Zerenar. Uh, I have no Bruce Wayne within me. I am simply just Batman. And uh, your Batman has called on me to save everyone. Uh, so they, they go a little bit deeper into his secret cavern, or, or secret, uh, I don't know, uh, room underneath the floor in the cave. Uh, Zeren Cave? Zer, the the Zerenar Cave, yeah. Uh, has a, a little laboratory for himself. <clears throat> Which is kind of curious, considering uh, how many times the radar supposedly has come out, but we don't really know, I guess, everything. And as they're working on some technology, or as Batman Zeranar is working on some some technology to fight Failsafe, Failsafe itself comes bursting into the cave with a loud tomb, uh, scanning around and looking for Zeranar and Robin. It finds them as Zeranar. Uh, shoots a uh, gauntlet missile from his uh, forearm straight into Failsafe, but it does next to nothing. Zernar throws a little device at Tim, uh, tells him to uh, begin to attack. The mission only ends when they're dead. They activate the weapons, and they're uh, they look like lightsabers, uh, but more flame. It's really hard to tell, but it looks freaking awesome. Uh, so they go on an attack, fail safe one, uh, one by cool. one with their flame sabers, uh, but it, they are no match for fail safe. It's just too good. <clears throat> There's a heavy fight between them. Uh, fail safe gets the upper hand. There are some explosions, uh, and Zuranar uh, is committed to the fight, but Tim says, "Look, you've got Batman's body. We need to get away. It's already taken a beating. We need help." Uh, then we cut to the streets of Gotham where the Bat family are recouping their wounds, uh, talking to uh, Renee Montoya, who is trying to get all the information she can to help them out. Uh, Dick is talking to Oracle, saying that thing took out all of us in minutes. We need backup. We need help. And Barbara says, I'm on it. Just save as many people as you can. Then we cut back to Tim and Zuranar. Uh, Tim is trying to get out to the Bat family, but finds the signals jammed. Uh, they're up in the mansion now, and Zuranar is ready to just attack some more, but Tim is trying to uh, give him some reason, <clears throat> saying, you you already tried to fight it, it nearly killed you, we need to be strategic, and if you're really Batman without Bruce, then start acting like it, because Batman is nothing but strategy. Given time to prepare, he can do anything. So, that's not what he said, that's what I'm saying. Uh, so right. Zuranar decides to be a little strategic as uh, Failsafe uh, explodes its way through the open door. I don't know why it, like, the door's open. Why do you need to blow it open further? Come on, just like tilt your body a little bit. You're God, it, everything is about presentation. I guess it did look beautiful because of supporting the minutes and Tomomori, but uh, it was beautiful grandfather clock. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> Zeranar does get a little strategic, saying, uh, cover yourself in dust, because it will, 
uh, mask excess heat signatures and uh, he put a tracer on the failsafe so he can save one step ahead of it uh, it is currently in the study tearing up some portraits and just as I was about to get to a portrait of Bruce a young Bruce and Alfred uh, Zurinar says stay, stay, uh, says stay away from Alfred and comes lunging out with his flame saber goes in for attack fails spectacularly Tim comes from behind with his flame saber fails spectacularly and then failsafe shoots off some missiles uh, Tim blocks him with his cape that's a really strong cape um, and then failsafe just says fighting me just causes your family pain and then Zerinar replies with not family soldiers my army and the war isn't done but after that Bruce deep inside the mind of uh, their shared body says no don't lose sight of who you are I've let you out because I thought you could deactivate failsafe I'm Batman, I'm Bruce Wayne, and Tim is my soldier, he's my son. And at that point, Bruce takes over the body once again, he's my son. Robin, go limp, let's get out of here. And they break out through the window, trying to escape, but Bruce just sends Tim away as he goes uh, back for the fight, telling Tim to go signal for help. Uh, but Bruce uh, instantly gets snared by failsafe, gets lunged right back into the mansion, and is about to be taken out, uh, but Bruce tries to be strategic himself, saying, if I was so smart, did I do this to uh, uh, defend it? And yes, yes, I did defend it. That did nothing. I'm, uh, I'm too damn good. Okay. Plan B, uh, self set the Batcave self-destruct, but then failsafe knows. See, I know you're going to sort of try to self-destruct, but I disable it. Mm. Fuck you. So Bruce is kind of screwed. I saying, can see the wheels turning in your brain or something like mm. that. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is fantastic <laughs> uh, so he's he's on his deathbed the mansion's on fire yet again um, he sees uh, uh, images of his family running around the stairs uh, and as uh, failsafe is taking his final step towards Bruce to deliver the final blow uh, there's whoosh he does not hear failsafe but he hears him and that him uh, is Superman as the flames are extinguished <laughs> and Superman standing in the doorway in an image that I can only describe as poster worthy says I'm going to need you to back away from my friend and uh, next we will see <clears throat> the League of Gotham as, sent, as shown in the next text box so that's a badass entrance uh, my god the arts I already mentioned the colors the colors are just gorgeous uh, making this whole story essentially about Tower of Babel, I think is another great throwback that we've been having from Chip Zdarsky. He's just throwing back all sorts of fantastic Batman stories. Uh, I'm curious if the Justice League will even be a match for Failsafe because, as was stated at the beginning of the issue, uh, how can the Justice League counter a man that has counters for them? And if this man made a robot to counter him, realistically that robot should be able to counter the entire Justice League as well, you'd think. But I guess we'll see. Because it's going to be a hell of a friggin' brouhaha. I, I'm excited. This this has been a fantastic run so far. I think we're, we're three issues deep. Excuse me, showing no signs of slowing down. I gave the... I'll, I'll give my whole score at the end. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the backup first? Or, or, do you, or do you want me to bring up the backup first? Or do you want to talk about the front first? Nah, we can give time to the front. 
Well, if that's the case, if we're getting into, did you already give your score for the front half, Rob, or is that going to uh, be at no, the I, end? I, I, I've stopped scoring the two separate. I just score the whole book as a whole. Sounds good. Smart. Um, well, then let me say, Jesus, this book is so fun to read for something that is dark, for something that is action-packed, for something that's reaching back to Tower of Babel. Um, it's just fucking fun. I, I've I've missed that about dramatic stories. And already, that's what I love the most about this. It's a legitimate place in this time without hiccups, but just really good, fun story, and I, I can't wait for more. I will say that Failsafe doesn't seem to be intimidated by Clark, though. If I'm not mistaken, his response to Clark showing up was, I urge you to leave? Something something very similar to that. Yeah, I urge you to fly away. And uh, then we get that badass page of Superman. But uh, So he doesn't seem like he's too worried about Clark. Um, maybe he's got a kryptonite weapon. Maybe he's got all the fail slaves like Rob said. All I know is that the freaking art is freaking awesome. It's an awesome team. And the Superman looks so good. And thank you, Zdarsky, for kicking ass. Zdarsky and co. (laughs) What do you think? Did you score it? Well, we're going to give them at the end, from what I understand. Oh, I thought thought that was just Rob. Um, Yeah, if you guys want to do it, you you can do it. I I just didn't score separate. Yeah, because I did score it separately. Um, I, I... just just off of, of instinct um but yeah no this is this is a story that like right from the first page i had a I had a big old smile on my face um because what what a lot of people appreciated about uh Starsky's run on daredevil was it could dip into the well of continuity but it could do it in a way that's not just fan servicey it's not like oh remember this but it's like yes we know that that happened what if I'm showing you a different perspective of it, something that, that maybe you haven't seen before, something that bridges the gap, that gives you an added insight, that, that almost provides an excess layer of, or not excess, an extra layer of depth to the story. So right from the first page, because I knew JLA, Tower of Babel, despite being a terrible character story for Batman, has one of the most pimp endings of all time. I'm sure most people know where the JLA are gathered around and they're debating whether or not to keep Bruce in the league. And then they have him in a separate room. And once they go to check on him to see, like to tell him what their verdict was, he's already gone because he knows exactly how they're going to vote. And it's, it just ends on that. And it's one of the most pimp endings of a, of a JLA story of, uh, of the last uh, two decades or so. So I knew oh, that easily. going in and I, and I was like, Oh, so this is, this is like directly after that. Cause it's, it's funny that you had mentioned we've seen variations of this scene, Rob, but to my memory, I don't think they've ever had a scene like this in comic form. I think they had it on the, like, a, they did, like, a, a dramatic reading version of Batman reading all the ways that he would take down the League. Um, but they never actually showed him saying, like, you know, my failsafe for the League is, is, is the League itself. I don't think, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think they showed it in any comic or anything. So so right right from the get go, I was like, all right, we're off to a good start because it's a it's a perfect way 
to tap into Tower of Babel without just repurposing a scene, but actively trying to show something new and using that as a springboard to connect to the story that you're telling right now, which is just, it's like genius. Um, as for the rest of the story, it, it is mostly just, you know, fighting between Batman and Failsafe, but it's, it's very dramatic. Um, it's, it's definitely keeping you on your toes. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just a fun way to, I guess, escalate the story, if you will. Um, it's, it's the Zur and R, Batman and Zur and R facing off against his crazy mechanical robot. And, you know, it's fun to see Zur and R again, who's acting just as, uh, as wild as he was in R.I.P. Um, I love that he's, he's still using the very, like, outdated, uh, 50s, um, terminology. So he talks to Tim and he's like, you know, I, I want to make chum. sure you're safe, chum. Um, yeah. He's like, get out of the way, boy. Um, you know, he's he's, uh, he's a bit antiquated, which I appreciated. Um, so that that uh, that was all done very well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just a great way to to continue the story, to keep it uh, you know escalating in, in drama and intensity. And uh, God only knows how. Superman is going to face off against uh, Failsafe, but uh, it's it's just uh, it's I don't want to say it's flawless, but it's it's it is with very little flaws, um, at least for me. And uh, it's uh, definitely trying to do its best to honor all aspects of uh, of Batman's continuity. Um, so I think there's a lot good going into it, um, and uh, I'm I'm going to say this again with Dark Crisis, but there's really no point in talking about the art. Like it's just something that you open up and you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, I see what we're doing here. This is this is transcendent. It's incredible. Um, there's no point in, in reiterating what's already been said about it because you just need to look at it and, uh, and see it for yourself. Um, so the main story got a nine out of ten for me. It's uh, it's definitely the most invested I've been in a in a Batman story in in a good long while, uh, which sounds dramatic, but uh, but it's true. Okay, I'll do a brief uh, rundown of the backup. There's not much to it. Uh, so this is Catwoman uh, doing the uh, you uh, not eulogy. What's the 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 will of uh, the Penguin? Oh my God, I'm forgetting all sorts of names mm. today. <laughs> uh, but mm. it's not quite that because apparently that chapter of the story is closed. Uh, so we see uh, a a shopkeeper. Uh, that owns a, uh, a floral shop in Metropolis, uh, is uh, coming in for the day with his uh, a fresh muffin from the bakery, and Catwoman comes in and instantly calls him out to being Oswald, uh, where the shopkeeper tries to uh, not know what she's talking about, but eventually gives up because Selena keeps pushing. She knows that it's actually Oswald, and he admits it and explains why he's doing what he's doing, that he's just tired of uh, uh, living through the night and just wants to take in some of the daytime and that the whole song and dance they have with Batman is just getting tired it's getting old it's back and forth and it's getting no one anywhere so he wants to change a pace he wants a new life he fakes his death and heads away and figures one of his children will take up the mantle and run the casino and everything will be fine what he didn't anticipate was other children coming in and killing all of his other kids instead uh, he did not figure that was going to happen but all he wants now is to be left alone and he 
uh, hints that Catwoman should maybe do the same. And after Catwoman leaves, he's reading a newspaper from Gotham and uh, just mutters to himself after reading about how uh, his two children left have taken over the Ice Rig Lounge. Uh, he says, uh, they're coming for you, the cat and the bat. Make your father proud and destroy them for me, will you? Hinting that you can take the penguin out of Gotham, but you can't take the Gotham out of the penguin. Uh, so Selena stays in Metropolis for one more Good night. way to put that. Yeah. Uh, just to uh, take in the sights and get a little bit of relaxation. But decides eventually it's time to head home. Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe there are some cycles she could break too. She just needs a plan and to be a bigger thorn in people's sides. Uh, so that's the end of that story. Uh, it was an interesting story, interesting backup, ties into the story quite well. Uh, at least it did at the beginning, and then branched off into its own little thing. But honestly, for me, for this part, as interesting as it was, uh, felt a little lacking from how the last part ended, because it, I definitely got the feeling that Selena was going in for a fight. I was going to confront the the children, the Cobblepot children, uh, but that never happened. That, at least that's the feeling I got. So I was expecting something like that. I was not expecting this, which kind of gives me mixed feelings because I, I, I love the unexpected, but I was <laughs> I'm also very confused about what this means for the future. So it, I think it's good for the future regardless, so I'm all for it. So as a whole, I gave the book a 9.25. I think the whole thing was a solid success. I had kind of forgotten um, about the backup from last month, so I had to kind of remind myself um, what was going on. Uh, and I agree, I do think it should have kind of I mean, maybe it'll be in the Catwoman book, who knows, but I do think if, it, if this is the end of the story, it should have tied in more with the rest of the Cobblepot um, children, but uh, you know, hopefully this is uh, another interesting direction for Catwoman, um, and uh, they can do something with that, that uh, that Catwoman can be more of a thorn in Cobblepot's side, um, and Cobblepot apparently, Cobblepot must have been talking to, uh, to Two-Face and gotten the number of the best damn plastic surgeon in Gotham City, because oh my god, not even remotely similar to, to who he used to be. Um, those yeah. disgusting uh, razor-sharp teeth seem to have been erased, and he looks like, you know, your normal, average, middle, uh, middle-aged, middle overweight businessman and not the disgusting, grotesque, corpulent, um, Danny DeVito-esque penguin uh, uh, <laughs> that uh, we all know and love. I love you, Danny, but, uh, but I, I always think of you as a penguin um, and Frank Reynolds. Um, but yeah, aside from that, uh, solid chapter, nothing, uh, too spectacular, but, uh, you know, aside from kind of, uh, not the greatest ending, uh, it wasn't too terrible. So I gave it an eight out of 10. Well, um, the front half of the book sells the shit out of it. So regardless of the back, I mean, the front half is just that good. I think I know why everybody in Gotham is crazy, though. No one dies for longer than two months, and that—that—that's gotta be—that's gotta be screwing with people. Like all of the trauma, all of the danger. Why is Batman necessary at all? 
if everybody's just going to raise from the dead two months later. So that's why everybody was fucking crazy. But the story was all right and the art was okay. I'll take it. Uh, I gave the whole issue an 8.75 out of 10. Yeah, when I uh, I saw that Penguin wasn't actually dead, I thought, oh, Josh's not going to be happy about this. <laughs> nope, I was not happy at all. Come on. I mean, seriously, for one, Penguin's useless. Two, Penguin with blonde hair doesn't make him better. I mean, if, if it means anything, if it makes it better at all, technically, the Penguin is dead, and now he's just a florist in Metropolis. He, he's changed his identity completely. Oh, good. That'll change everything. Till next year, let's face it. <laughs> Until next time. Same penguin time, same penguin channel. Walk. Okay, so we are going from... Uh, let's see. Going from... We're, we're taking the, the freeway at a... <laughs> so so peng, penguin, peng, penguin's dead. Fuck it, Dark Crisis on Infinite Number Four. Uh, that, was, yeah. that was incredible. Yeah, that was incredible. So, yeah, take it oh, away. Uh, that I mean, <laughs> I don't. I have, I have no words. I I'm speechless. I am without I. speech. <laughs> um, uh, it's another Seinfeld reference for you. Um, yeah, Dark Crisis Number Four. Um, Written by uh, Joshua Williamson with art from Daniel Sampier, uh, colors from Alejandro Sanchez, and letters from Tom Napolitano. There is a pulse of dark energy at the edge of the multiverse that has been surging in strange patterns, and the heroes of the DCU are trying to get to the bottom of it. After the attack on Titan's Tower, Alan Scott gives Dick Grayson a pep talk, and then invites him over to a secret cave to discover... That sounded gross. Um, to discover the truth about Deathstroke and the Great Darkness. <laughs> Hal Jordan, I, I just, as a secret cave, that sounded like suggestive. Um, oh, oh. oh my god. Alan, no. <laughs> think about Molly. Um, Hal Jordan has his reunion with Barry Molly's Allen why he's the... thinking that way. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you just came out of the closet. Well, come on, man. Dick Grayson is a little young for you. Um, uh, uh, what was it? Um, uh, how Jordan has his reunion with Barry Allen and the two plan to make their way across the JL worlds. Pariah is controlling in order to free the rest of the Justice League. And finally, Black Adam makes his pitch to the Legion of Doom in order to do the things the other heroes won't do. Only the Legion of Doom are ambushed by Deathstroke and the Society. Following another dull, uninteresting fight, Luther gets the upper hand against Deathstroke and is quickly infected with the Great Darkness. This triggers a um, domino effect, and the world that uh, Green Lantern and Flash are currently on, the Batman-themed world, begins to crumble. In the background of all this, Pariah watches, gleefully excited at the new multiverse that is born from this chaos, a multiverse that seems to have emerged from the Dark Energy Pulse. Um... So Josh Williamson has a new book coming out in October called Dark Ride Number One that is conveniently coming out the same day that Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, number five is coming out, also on October 5th. And I, I'm imagining myself and others walking into the store, into their LCS, um, and seeing the two books on the shelves, and they're going, okay, Dark Ride 
or Dark Crisis? Which one am I going to go with? Because they both have dark in the title. But if I had to choose, which one am I going to choose? And I got to be honest, I'm probably going to go with Dark Ride. Because it seems like a lot more fun and a lot more of an enjoyable ride, no pun intended, than Dark Crisis. Um, so I don't want to start off being all terrible. I just thought that was funny that these two books are coming out and they're both dark. Uh, except one is not dark. It seems like it's going to be one fun ride, and the other is, is a thing. Um, but I don't want. I don't want to start I, off all negative. Um, I mean that that, that sounds I, I good want, and all, but just wait till like issue four comes out and it gets retitled to Dark Road on or Dark Ride on Infinite Roads. If 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 I do that, I'm going to get That would be such a bullshit move. Um, <laughs> No, I don't. I don't want to start all negative because it's very easy to do that. Um, so I, I wrote a list of positives, just to kind of get us on on a on a good track to start. So, Alan Scott and Dick Grayson have a great scene together. I don't think I've ever seen this pairing in any other book that I can think of, and they have a really great conversation that that I I thought to be very genuine and very sweet. Uh, Hal and Barry always have great chemistry together, and it was really nice seeing them here again as well. Um, I thought that was done well. I can appreciate the callbacks to previous continuity, JSA and Limbo, uh, and when Alan Scott said we'll probably be in Limbo again, that was another. I I surprised that Alan Scott didn't turn uh, and say fuck you to DC Editorial because that felt like some serious meta commentary of like ah. JSA has been in limbo, and they probably will be again when they put us on the shelves, uh, as they are wont to do. Um, Luther's possession by Perpetua, another decent callback, and the more beset issue Swamp Thing, which is an incredible issue. I, I would encourage everyone to track it down if you haven't read it already. Um, that was also a nice flashback. Um, seeing Alan considered as a magic hero is always cool, especially considering we just talked about that last weekend on a Day of Judgment review, so that was a weird coincidence. Um, and then Daniel Sempier, enough said. Like the guy's just incredible. It's just just look at the book; it's, it it speaks for itself. Um, but as for the negatives, I don't know. It's everything else. Like I kind of I feel like a broken record at this point. Like we're only just now getting to the Dark Crisis, and yes, I know they want to build up the dramatic effect, but it falls so incredibly flat and it feels like it's the part of the story that you don't want to talk about. Like it, it feels like I, I have all these scenes in mind of characters that I really like with Alan and Dick and Hal and Barry and Black Adam and uh, Lex and the rest of the Legion of Doom. And all these are fine scenes by themselves, but it, it's, it's like, it's, it's like you're working on a project and there's that one part of the project that you just really don't want to do. Everything else, you're like, yeah, I got this, no problem, I can handle it. But it's it's like that one last piece that wraps it all together, that ties it all into a neat little bow that you're like, I don't really want to do that shit. That seems hard um, and annoying. And that's exactly what this feels like, where it's like I have all these moments, these scenes in mind between characters, but I just, I, 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 I know I have to tie it together with like this great darkness bullshit, but I don't really, I don't really feel like doing it. So I'm just gonna like come up with whatever cockamamie explanation I can have, and then it'll make sense or whatever. Um, so it's just like it feels so, it feels ancillary to the book that is called Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, which is ridiculous because it's literally in the title. Like you would expect 
a crisis, except the, the crisis of cosmic proportions has yet to really exact itself until now, um, as we see the birth of the new multiverse. But I don't know. It just, it's, uh, it just, it feels like, like you don't even care. Like this is something that I have to do, not something I wanted to do, which is not what you should be doing in a cosmic story about a metaphysical entity of, of nihilistic proportions. Um, so I don't know. It just feels so ridiculous, so ridiculous in that sense. Um, so I didn't, I didn't even have anything else to say other than I wrote this in July of 2022 when I think Rob and I were covering um, the second issue of Dark Crisis. Um, I'll just say it again, I suppose, which is Josh Williamson is good at writing fun, lighthearted, action-packed, and often emotional-slash-personality-centric stories like Birthright and Deathbed. Robin is not talented or equipped uh. at writing the big metaphorical cosmic intertwined stories like a dark crisis that doesn't make him a bad writer it's just clear that his strengths lie elsewhere which is a very long-winded way of saying just play to your strengths and you'll find yourself a lot happier which is why come next month i'm probably gonna have a much better time reading dark ride a book that feels much more suited to his strengths than dark crisis on infinite earths so that's my review 7.5 out of well, I swear if next month comes around and when we talk about Dark Crisis number five and you just talk about Dark Ride, I, I don't I, I should don't, do I that. I don't know what to say. I, I honestly will. No, you know what? You know what? I please, please forget this. Like, please forget everything you just said, because I well, I'm going to I'm going to ruin it here. But, you know, you know, it would have been a great prank. If I if I had done just that, it's like if if I'm covering Dark Crisis next month and I just give a review of Dark Ride, and you guys are like, "What the fuck? What? This isn't what happened. Did we read this?" That same ain't book? the book I and read. Like, yeah, and it's like, no. What are you talking about? This is the book that I read. This is the dark themed book from from uh, Williamson that I picked up for my LCS. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, that would have been such a great prank. Um, but I feel like you guys are going to remember it, so it's not going to work. But if you forget it, I mean, I won't. I, 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 uh, I uh, oh man, yeah, that would have been a damn. That would have been a great little. Prank. I, I, might, I might, I might just forget it. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot damn, of stuff coming yeah. up between now and. I'm, now. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, Rob, you have such a great time at your wedding that uh, that everything from this oh, past this like two me. weeks just disappears from your mind, so I can, I can. I can pull that little uh, practical joke on you and have a good time. I can tell you that not only will I have a good time at a wedding, but if my friends have a say in what I do, that is almost <laughs> a guarantee that the last two weeks oh, will be man. a blur. Oh, man. But I, I'm going to keep this in my... Forced upon me. Man, I'm going to keep this in my back pocket, and uh, hopefully I don't forget it, because that'll, that'll be a hell of a prank. Well, keep this in your back pocket, too, because something I did just the other day was go back and reread all of his Robin run. I should not have gone back and reread all of his Robin run. Oh, no. Oh, God. I, I mean, I loved it. I mean, I mean I, oh, for, except for a few issues, as it was coming out, I thought, it was a really good book, and Williamson surprised the hell out of me. There were a couple of issues that were stupid and pointless like didn't need to be there but i i didn't really hate those however going back and rereading them all together 
was horrible. It was it it it, it I I urge you to give it a shot. Go back and reread his Robin run, start to finish. I did. I still think the first twelve issues are pretty good. Um, after Shadow Wars, where it falls apart. Oh, after yeah, after Shadow War, Shadow War, it's 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 bad. And I guess that that's where I'm, that's where I'm looking at it is is you gave us an overall arc with a start and a finish, except again, now granted it didn't take five years to get there, but again, you fucked up the landing. He can't he can't hit a landing to save his life. As long as he's at DC, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yet he does shit well, yeah, for the image. DC stories. I still, yeah, I still think the ending to Birthright is like, oh, Chef's Kiss, and then the ending to to Deathbed. Um, rereading that recently, was, again, I I put it on my Substack or on the not my Substack. The, I'm so tired. I'm sorry. Um, the Not a Robot Substack. Um, the the Deathbed. When I reread that recently great ending i actually think i loved it even more um just uh just because it was i don't know it's like it's like a book you can't read without smiling it's uh it's wonderful it, that's uh, the thing is he doesn't care about shit not truly is, unless it's his well i don't think it's that it's more just like it just maybe you just don't really i don't know maybe you just don't really understand how to do a satisfying one for the superheroes i guess hard though. Like, i i i put rather slightly rather glibly in the uh in the, the discord that we have that uh it's amazing to me how you can have something that looks like so much fun and something that is so much not fun out at the same time it, it like boggles the mind um how you can just you can have the best and the worst um like like a tale of two cities um <laughs> and, and i feel like this is going to be a textbook example of that from what I'm seeing, it's a textbook example of his trade. He doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about what he does at DC. I think he has fun with it, but ultimately, I don't think he cares. And I can tell that because his independent shit is so good. He's not a shitty writer. He just is shitty at DC. But as far as Dark Crisis goes, somebody that is not shitty is Sampir and Sanchez. And good God, they can draw the shit out of Swamp Thing. I mean, you know, I love you, Perkins and Spicer, but whoa, that was phenomenal. And everything else, too, but really, wow. Um, the different colored word balloons for him for Swamp Thing confused me. I didn't get why that was happening. But uh, regardless, uh, nothing really happened here. It was basically all about what to do with Slade with a little bit of extra spices thrown in, little extra stuff there. Uh, the heroes will be too late. The legion of more people get taken over by the greatness. Gar is dying because he thinks he's dying. The great darkness is being controlled by something. And a hand shows up with a new multiverse is born. I mean, is it oh no or oh yay, who cares? Right now, uh, it's oh, actually, for... that that was that was another cool callback um, to the uh, as a part of like older DC mythos. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm struggling. I'm struggling today. Um, I'm struggling to remember where that comes from. I believe it is. 
God, I believe it's JLA Avengers where Krona sees for like a brief moment the hand that I think creates the universe, and then that uh, is what creates the multiverse because of his hubris and his desire to know what created everything. Um, it, it triggered like, an event that created the multiverse. And I, I want to say, yeah, um, well, I think yeah, that, later that, it was, that, yeah. I think that happened a couple of times with Krona. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I remember yeah. that somewhere, I think, in, in one of the Jeff Johns Green Lantern stories, I think, as well. Yeah, well, because they, they brought it up in again. In, yeah, in, um, um, was it, was it Wrath of the First Lantern or um something like that where they were they were reiterating the uh the chrona origins and, and the connections with yeah the but that, like that was uh, again uh, in keeping with the positives that was at least a cool callback it's like okay i i see what you're trying to do here it's a it's a ni- it's a nice reference you get your uh you get your dc yeah. fanboy um brownie points um nope at least trying to recapture uh the, the magic of that Bruh, he stopped getting like, DC fanboy brownie like, points uh, when that's the only fucking thing you bring to the series. DC gave you the keys to the kingdom, and all you did was fanboy the shit out of the whole thing without anything ever meaning anything, or, and I guarantee you, still, without anything really being finished, the, the ending is going to suck. I mean, it takes on a different meaning for me than it does for you, because um, like I see these moments and it, 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 it does kind of. I'm like, yeah, it's, I, I see that you clearly have an appreciation and a level of respect with a caveat, with the big ass asterisk after the word respect. Um, but at least it's like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pay homage, homage, however you want to say it, to, uh, to some of the finer moments. Um, so like, I will. I will give you that. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep it positive uh, in in the ways that I can. Um, uh, as you I, as I you tend to do. No, I, I lost as my train it, of thought for a second. You you do you saying? do try to keep things positive. Well, you, the way that you like all of the things that inspire what Williamson is doing, I think, is what you. It was something at. else, though. I don't. I don't remember. Um, He's just anyway, blatantly yeah, ripping off. He's just blatantly um, ripping off Morrison and other people and writing that coattail to produce what he's going to call a successful book. I can't remember. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, anyway, I gave Dark Crisis a 6 out of 10. Uh, you know what? I, because of Sam Pierre and Sanchez, I'll give it a 6.5. Okay, so... As is usual, I'm going to ride the fence. The end, very anticlimactic. Uh, I will agree for reasons. I, 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 maybe I'm imagining it, but I'm surprised neither of you mentioned because uh, Williamson gave this all away at SDCC. We've known this for weeks. We knew this was happening. So for this to be a big cliffhanger and say that this is a momentous issue is a giant misnomer because we we knew this was happening weeks ago. The, we know the, we knew everything that was happening throughout this entire fucking thing months before it happened. It was yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's what it was. 
God, I'm I'm so off my game today, and that's why that's why it's because it makes sense. It's a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's a, it's a callback to that moment where Krona first sees it in Crisis. I, I, I appreciate that you called it a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths and not the yeah. sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. No, it is. Yeah, no. I, I already made the joke. There was a sequel that came out 16 years ago called Infinite Crisis. Um, that is the only sequel that is warranting any merit for me. Yeah. So, fucking uh, A-Rank. Right. Definitely yeah, not uh, Convergence. That's for fucking sure. Jesus um, Christ! Dear Lord, I had a somebody on Reddit yesterday about conversion. How, how after this issue came out, there was a lot of people <laughs> just saying, "Okay, so how many times are they going to restart the multiverse?" And somebody brought up convergence, and I said, "Like you, you could. I, I'm sure everything you're talking about convergence is true. I read it when it was new, and I'm I could agree with everything you said, but I could not tell you if it's factual because I remember nothing about that story." And nobody, no, no, nobody else does either. No, it's because it's so boring. It. Nobody read it. Nobody really cared for it. There was one notable thing that came out of that story, and that was the creation of John Kent, which that's how much that in Talos. That story is but I just know that because everyone, I just know that because everyone made memes about Talos and how he was the greatest character ever on Reddit for a while. Oh, yeah. but he's a completely pointless character. He's totally not a brainiac clone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not a brainiac. That's, that's how, how little importance that that conversions holds because nobody ever mentions when they talk about John Kent. Nobody says, "Oh, you remember that that big event, that sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths DC did that that gave us John Kent?" No, they never say that. They just say, "Yeah, John Kent. He uh, he he appeared." Pretty cool, man. Yeah, and they'll be doing the same thing about all of this infinite frontier as a whole, up to and including Dark Crisis, will be completely forgotten in two years' time. Yeah, when Secret Crisis happens. I I said that all of this shit was going to be wrapped up and done and over with within six months, and no one wanted to believe me. Yet we're within that six month mark, and the whole damn thing has been finished. <laughs> Which I think is yeah. particularly prescient when we get to our final issue in the week. Yeah. In which, fucking deed it is. I, I just because the first page made point. me laugh so, so hard. Too hard, in fact. Oh, for the next book? Hang, hang on, I, yeah. I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta finish off with some stuff here. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, the personal moments are great. Fantastic art is still fantastic. I just wish the overall story was more interesting. And I can't wait to do this all again in two years when we get uh, the sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths, Secret Crisis, written by Jeff Johns. So I am going to smack you. I'm, I'm holding him to that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've that, been it's, psychic it's in not the gonna past. Happen. We've been psychic in the past. The more I say it, the more it's going to well, happen. I will, speak I will that say shit this, into existence. I will say this much. I'll say this much for you, Rob. Never did I or about a million other people think we were ever going to get a reprint of JLA Avengers. But through the magic of Marie Javins and and immense, immense levels of collaboration with people at Marvel, they produced copies that exist and are in the world, like now. Um, And no one, everyone said it'll never be done. It can never be done again. I mean, mind you, a lot of it was in benefit of Joe Perez, but... Still, they didn't have to do that, but they yeah. did it. So, 
crazier, crazier things could happen. Exactly. Maybe that's the precursor. Maybe. Who knows? We will see in 2025. Just you wait. So, all in all, I gave this a... I'll say a 7.25 out of 10. My score is just fluctuating. It's like the stock market right now. Every every time I think about this book, it's up and down. I just I don't know. So I'm just gonna pause, close the and the it's yielding four returns, right? Five. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. That's that's another thing I want to bring up. So. Speaking of personal moments, I wasn't here when you guys talked about uh, the end of Swamp Thing with number 16, and I wanted to ask that, because if I remember right, uh, prior to season 2, when we were still in season 1, and when he announced it, Rom V uh, promised um, info on what happened to Alec Holland, correct? No, no, we're not going down this rabbit hole, because I, I, I made a note of that, and I said... If we do this, the show is going to get extended for another twenty minutes because <laughs> I I know I know I know exactly what you are referencing, and my my thought process was the exact same. And I said, you know what, fuck it, I don't even have the energy for this. Um, I, I, just, so. I, I just want to know the answer. I want to ask you guys. Well, yeah, it's a two prong question. As very, I I will try my best not to to go on a tangent. I hope it does. A two prong question. One. Did that happen in Swamp Thing, or did I miss it? And two, mm-hmm. was that Alec Holland and 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 Levi there, or were those entirely different Swamp Things? Because both of them really hinted at they were Alec Holland and Levi Kamek. You're talking about in this issue? Yeah. But, well, I mean, I guess maybe that would suggest explain the different colored bubbles but i mean yeah, that's not is. but again i that's that's a whole other topic of discussion and, and, uh, and i'm telling you we won't get into it now but i'm very curious how i will i will how, how about how about, how about just, this how about i give you so simple how about i give do you, you think it's alec yeah. holland levi or do you not think it's alec holland no, it, no it is alec holland because it's it's based okay. on the the exact same model that we had at the end of jld but I will give you the long short, the long story short version, which okay. is the exact same explanation that we use to explain how the fuck the core were all back, which is I don't know, they just are. So that's about the best okay. definition I can give you right now, without okay. going into an immense and frankly frustrating amount of detail on how this could even be possible. Okay, so so the it's, the other easy answer to my first question is they. That we just didn't get into Alec Holland in season two of Swamp yeah, Thing. Yeah, no, correct? no. Okay. So I because yeah, because if you I thought, I if you remember correctly from season one, yeah, if you remember correctly from season one, Alec had made his peace, was a part of the Green now, and had walked off into essentially the sunset, passing the mantle onto Levi. But again, well, ex- let's not now. let's not let's not go there. Yeah, let's not let's not go there because this is another one of those. How did that happen? Don't worry about Josh it. Josh Williamson just decided don't, he was going to do it. Fan exactly. service. So Look what I did. Isn't that cool? Let's move on. Yeah, let's, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, or else we, I'll we, start we, going. We okay, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck it. I'll close it a seven, because that just brought the score down. 
So, 7 yeah. out of 10. The art brought it up. Otherwise, I'd be closer to Josh's score. So, that's me. So, we're going to go from one crisis, uh, supposed crisis, to something that's more of a crisis, because this is barely a crisis. And that's Flashpoint Beyond number 5. It's a crisis on uh, my wallet, I'll tell you that much. I, I heard that. <laughs> that's why was, I'm, you 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 compared it to the stock market, and uh, I I have to I have to tell my uh, I have to tell the rest of my investors that I will for the foreseeable future be withdrawing all of my stock options uh, in Dark Crisis, and will be purchasing all of uh, all of the stocks in Dark Ride instead, because I feel that they will yield more positive emotional returns for the foreseeable future. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, Flashpoint Beyond number five. You guys know how great of a book this is going to be, so let's just get on with it. <laughs> Written by Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams. That's right. Three people are writing this together. Art from Zermanico, Zermanico and Mikhail Yanin. Colors Romulo Fayardo Jr. and Jordi Belair. Rob Lee on letters and a pretty cool cover from Mitch Grat. So... This starts out two days after Dark Crisis. I guess that is supposed to say the end of Dark Crisis. Um, not really <laughs> I sure. Just, but I just, I can't. It's so Mr. It's Terrific. So funny to me. Oh my god, dude! How is that? How is that not funny? Because I, I mean, first of all, I read the In previews back to back. Fury. It was even more funny reading Dark Crisis and then immediately reading this because you're like, oh, shit, I guess things are heating up in Dark Crisis. And then you read this and like, nah, it's over. Two days later, everything's back to normal. Fuck you. <laughs> yep. just, it's so funny. Meanwhile, it's so funny. Yeah. Next on Fox. <laughs> uh, Mr. It's like, Terrific. It's like, and... it's like, yeah, it's like it's like watching. I don't know. It's like a it's like a very dramatic show. It's like watching Lost. And you're like, damn, what's going to happen next? And then the next episode of Lost is just the end. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what's up. Except that's <laughs> that's right. been the, the case of Dark Crisis for the whole time. Anyway, Mr. Terrific and Dr. Baxter are on, are on TV trading jabs at each other while trying to explain everything that has happened and what an omniverse, metaverse, and multiverse is, how everything's related, etc., Meanwhile, oh, you guys are going to love this. Ra's al Ghul proposes a drink with Batman, who's sitting in his window. He says, to your miraculous return, Bruce, and to mine, as if anyone doubted it. Are you fucking serious? I mean, you're going to put I, it... I, uh... You're yeah. going to put it right into the dialogue that we should know better? I uh, I see that uh, that uh, the writing team must have read the Resurrection of Rachel Ghoul from two thousand eight. Um, they'll probably read the Cliff's Notes version of it because, if you remember correctly from that story, Rach had also had his body similarly evaporated. I didn't say that right, um, and had to essentially reconstitute a body and was trying to possess Damien's body instead. But that was a process. It took a long ass fucking time. How long did this take? Was it was it like two days? He was just like, oh nah, I uh, yeah, my body was evaporated, and yeah, it took a long time before, but I've gotten better about it. Like now, I can just like if my body is is gone 
and I need to bring my spirit back, I can just, I can just like, just pop back. I don't even have to worry well, about it. My spirit right. can walk into the Lazarus pits and then just emerge as a flesh and blood being. And I, I mean, honestly, who knows? Like Has he been there 12 um, hours? Has he been there 12 months? Williamson doesn't know when Shadow War happened. He's got no idea when his own event took place. So who knows how long Rachel Ghoul has been dead? Well, not dead because you know spirit Lazarus. Oh, because man. of does that bullshit. mean we're gonna get the resurrection of Rachel Ghoul part two, Electric Boogaloo? I know people exactly. Hate that story, but I actually love <laughs> we it. we just we we just got that. Uh, so he spoils that Doctor Batman was killed by Darkseid's Omega Beams. Race that is. Spoils that Dr. Batman was killed by Darkseid's Omega Beams. In Dark Crisis, mind you. He gives Bruce's, Bruce the ashes. No, that was oh, JLI. JLA. Whatever. In any case, he gives Bruce the ashes. He has an insider on the Justice Incarnate. And, uh, now... Now's how to save his dad. The rest of it is Dr. Batman fighting Martha Joker, and she sets a machine to make sure that they both die, but Bruce lives. The enemies working together. Then back to Bruce, who is trying to save his dad by messing with the time stream, and Rip Hunter shows up. Oh, and John's finally names a Joker. Finally. But in this universe, and it matters nothing because it doesn't mean that that's the Joker's name in our universe necessarily at all, or in any other universe. But in case you're wondering, his name is Jack Oswald White. And really, you couldn't even fucking come up with three names that couldn't be stolen from another fucking Batman villain? Jesus Christ, Jack Napier, Oswald Cobblepot, White Knight. Give it a rest, Jeff. Give it a rest. No, no, he's just a he's just a big fan of the White Stripes. Come on, man. Oh, that is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> is Jack White yeah. is I, I, now, dude. Now I really want to look up if if Jack White's uh, middle name is Oswald. No. By the way, just side is, note. But... His, by, side note, Jack White's new album is is awesome anyway great art in flashpoint beyond number five fuck the rest of this book what tiny little bit of dark crisis that we don't know got lost by releasing this book out of order great art dumb story dumb execution and all of flashpoint beyond is a giant waste of time and that's with what one or two issues left to go one one yeah, there's 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 absolutely nothing that they could land in one more issue. This is Jeff Johns getting me excited about something and then slowly issue by issue showing me how he's going to let me down. Thank you very much, Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams for your collaborated effort in earning a five point two five out of ten. I gave this one an 8.25 out of 10. I actually had a lot of fun with it. Um, and, uh, and, and, and something that I, I suspected, um, but I don't think it really hit until this issue, um, this man, this man Jeff, because we're on a personal level, um, this man Jeff really was like, I want to do a sequel to Flashpoint. You know what I really want to do a sequel to? 
this doomsday clock because that's really what this is like make no mistake it, it 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 may it may deceive you it may trick you with its uh, its flashy looks and its flashy cover but in actuality this book literally is just a, a direct sequel uh, to Doomsday Clock which i imagine is going to feed directly into uh into JSA uh coming uh later this year um, oh i'm very curious no, I, does jeff johns have his hands on that title yeah he's writing it on JSA he's writing that title yeah God damn it. Yeah. All right. Which is, go ahead. is funny because <laughs> it's it's the third time that he's doing it. You would have thought at this point they would have let someone else write the JSA. But uh, I don't know. I, I think he made a contract, a blood contract, that uh, basically <laughs> dictates that no one else can write the JSA but him for now until eternity. Um, and and I, mean, I assume, maybe. much like the JSA himself, he will never die and will continue to write them uh, for eternity. Um but no, honestly, I don't know. I didn't really have a ton of problems with it, aside from the fact that the Dark Crisis thing made me laugh, because um, it just entirely invalidates that story and removes any and all stakes. And yes, we don't know what the finer details of the story are, but it's kind of just like, if you felt any kind of tension, all that tension feels deflated by the fact that everything is seemingly back to normal after the end of Dark Crisis. Um, Which but, we uh, said would happen here. It will yeah, be just uh, like nothing which, happened at all. Yeah, I mean, maybe there are some repercussions that we're yet to see. I hope that's mm. the case, but for all intents and purposes, they're kind of just like, the Justice League is back. Which I think the most damning thing is the picture of the Justice League that they show is the exact same one that we saw right before Justice League 75. It's not even a new one. It's not like, oh, in the events of you know Dark Crisis and the aftermath, a new version emerged and uh, and that one was led by the younger heroes which i think is what a lot of us were expecting um but ultimately that seems to not be the case but again maybe at least maybe hoping for i was hoping for that yeah um but uh, known better i don't know like, expected most of it i thought was pretty good like the stuff with uh with, with um thomas and martha i i thought was pretty solid and i i had kind of been ragging on the um on the the main continuity chapters where it's just kind of Batman talking to the kid Corky Baxter because it's kind of like I, I feel like that's the least interesting stuff but now it's now I actually feel like there's stakes once Rip Hunter shows up at the end and it's like oh okay now there's really a sense of like you fucked up you did something so bad that you caught the attention of the OG Time Master himself um, and, and God only knows how Rip plans to punish um, him and I wonder and, and this is total speculation but I wonder if this is a different version of Rip Hunter because if you look at his costume, it looks like the the Silver Age Rip Hunter, you know, the, the classic Time Master one, not the one that you know we've seen in uh, the the Booster Gold run. He's kind of has like the five o'clock shadow and the buzz cut and like the more modern looking version. So I I wonder if this is like the pre-crisis version of Rip Hunter that somehow or... has manifested himself, remanifested himself. Um, and is is so disturbed by everything that's going on with hypertime right now that he's like, okay, now I have to really step in and you know uh, set things straight. And if is that, that is the case, our version be, of Batman? What is that our version of Batman? What do you mean? The Batman that's been in the backup. How do we know that that is our Batman and not the Batman of a different world? 
well, isn't this taking place like after the events of Dark Crisis on our world? Who knows? I can't fucking figure uh, that out. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would suspect that it is just in the way that it seems to tie in with everything that's going on on our main Earth right now. But I mean, I, I hey, I, I suppose anything is possible. Um, but yeah, if, if they if they manage to pull a trick like that, that it's the the pre crisis rip hunter that would be a, that would be a hell of a twist and uh given that all the time master stuff is factoring in to the upcoming jsa run would definitely have my interest a little bit more peaked um in how they would try and wrap all that together because if you had a pre-crisis rip hunter that would also mean that he would have memories in all likelihood of the pre-crisis jsa and jla and everyone else so if he's interacting with this kind of updated version of the jsa god only knows what kind of information he could divulge to them there's a whole or that would put of, of different stories and, and stuff like that so i i i think as, if that's the thing that they're going with that would be incredibly fascinating now psycho pirates dead right um you maybe i don't even know i think so I th- i'm if i if i th- i'm pretty sure psycho pirates dead the last thing we knew nakano had his mask um but if Rip Hunter has memories pre-crisis, would that put him on the same level of like remembering as Psycho Pirate was, where Psycho Pirate knew everything? He was the only one that always did? No, just because he would only have the memories of the pre-crisis, not the memories of, you know, the 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 continuity in between, say... Crisis on Infinite Earths and Zero Hour, or Zero Hour and Infinite Crisis, or Infinite Crisis to Ultimate Flashpoint. He would just have the memories of a very specific moment in DC's history, but that's still, you know, a, a hell of a thing, um, given that no other character seems to remember that aside from Psycho Pirate. So, I, I don't enough. know. It's, it's total speculation, and I think it would it could be a really cool idea if they went with that. If you know this idea that like. It's the original Rip Hunter. Plus, you could do a little bit of like a, a strange meetup where the new version of Rip Hunter meets with the pre-crisis version of Rip Hunter. And again, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but there's a ton of story potential there. So, the last like couple pages actually had me really uh, excited for for what they could do with the Time Masters. Um, so, I don't know. Like if, I said, I, I thought it was Dan, decent Dan enough. Dan tried that with Booster Gold, and then it was forgotten instantly. Really? Uh, well, that's yeah. unfortunate. Um, I, I was so hyped for that, and then it just yeah. Went anywhere. Well, maybe maybe they can uh, maybe they can try it again. You know, they'll get lucky the second time. But, I uh, mean, that's what yeah, Williamson does. I think yeah, I think if there's um, you know, if, if there's something to be said of the story, at the very least, it's that it's uh, it's hopefully got some some interesting stuff to to explore in uh, in further detail. So. Uh, I want to see how that all plays out. In Flashpoint? No, in JSA. Oh, in JSA, okay. Beyond Flashpoint. Okay, so I'm thinking Doomsday Clock. I'm thinking Three Jokers. I'm thinking the previous Last Shazam run. Uh, Help me out here. What other stuff has Jeff Johns done within the last few years of note at DC? Does anything uh, else pop to your guys' mind? I mean, Three Jokers, Doomsday Clock. 
Geiger is not at DC, but that was a really good book, I thought. Um, Wait, when it came to DC for a while, he was mostly helping out with the movie stuff, so he didn't really have much time yeah. for comics. So, so Doomsday Clock, um, The Button, The Shazam Run, and Three Jokers. That's pretty much what he's done. Was he? Did he even do The Button? No, that was Josh Williamson and Tom King. Oh. We're working from, I think, a, a very, very bare bones outline um, that uh, that Jeff might have provided, but we didn't do any actual scripting or writing. All right. Well, so still, everything in the past few years that he has touched has turned to poop at DC. And while I will always have mad respect for the man, um, sometimes it's sometimes it's time to 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 recognize. You know, maybe your talents have moved on to different areas um, because he's just has not been landing anything at all for me lately. And I mean, even if you back it out and take it out of things that are heavy and, and weighted like Doomsday Clock and throw him into a very, very simple Shazam run, he couldn't even put the Shazam book out on time and it wasn't good. Uh, so I think maybe Jeff John's Maybe, maybe, maybe Geiger it was just taking up all of his time. Who, who, who knows? But he just has not impressed me, and it kind of bums me out to know that he's taking the reins on the JSA book. Um, I, I, I much rather would have seen Jeremy Adams do it, not Tim Sheridan after that Crisis on Earth three shit, but Jeremy Adams I would have been okay with. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm done shitting on people. Uh, <laughs> does anybody want to go over the uh, the the nice side of the show? Why well, I haven't even talked about Flashpoint yet. <laughs> oh shit, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're not getting nice yet. Or well, maybe we are. Uh, no, no, <laughs> not nice. No, 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 we're, no, we're not, not nice. Uh, I so I've cut out twice while you guys were talking about Flashpoint Beyond. So I I don't know everything you talked about. But I do have a couple of quick notes. Uh, so this this issue was up and down for me. Um, I agree with Brandon. It, it's hilarious that they revealed the end of uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths right at the beginning of the issue, four months ahead of the schedule of the actual end. As as I mentioned in our chat, you could have just delayed it to November near December because it's written by Jeff Johns. No one would have questioned it, and you could have just let it ride. Exactly. It yeah. But I mean, not to sound like an ass, but we expect that of you. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so scheduling, who, who needs scheduling? Just put out what you want when you want. Fuck it. It's a grab bag. Uh, so you bring up Mandela <laughs> effects. You bring up Mandela effects, man. You got me hooked. Okay. You brought me back in. You, uh, that's, that's a thing I, I follow. I think they're fascinating. I, I'm not claiming to be conspiracy theorist, nut job or whatever, but they're a fascinating thing of, as a phenomenon. They're, they're a lot of fun to research, so you brought me in. And then you gave the Joker a name. So you lost me again. Because then you, you essentially connected this to three Jokers and made this like an epilogue to that in, in one bloody sentence. And and I know what you said earlier, Josh, and, and I've heard... I actually had a discussion with somebody else on Reddit that said the exact same thing. 
Uh, they didn't specify what universe. It could have been any Joker anywhere, but I think they did. And what Martha was saying uh, right before she mentioned his name was that uh, she found a universe while talking to Psycho Pirate uh, where Bruce became Batman instead of him. Essentially referencing uh, the Bruce that Thomas has interacted with, which is the Earth we know, with the Joker that took place uh, in Three Jokers, while Jeff Johns always stated it, it's not continuity until somebody wants to bring it in. He decides to bring it in fucking continuity, so here we go. Right. Um, so he, it, it's his story, it's his continuity, it's his fucking run, so he... I know somebody mentioned that Jeff Johnson particularly writing that part, but I imagine he, he uh, like those parts of the story, that could be uh, Tim Sheridan and Jeremy Adams, but I imagine Jeff Johns has some connection to that. So he he's bringing it back to Three Jokers and giving us that conclusion, and I just don't fucking care because in my opinion, just Joker should never be named. Jack Napier is one thing uh, with with the White Knight universe and the 1989 Batman movie. That's fine, whatever. He gave him an origin to that. Okay, because White Knight it worked really well. It was really interesting. 1989, that's that's they did their own thing. That's their thing. That's it. Joker is a much better character with the mystery of no origin. You don't know where he comes from. He's just laughing and killing people for no goddamn reason. And it's Scott Snyder actually that made me realize that is a much better character like that when he's creepy and and possibly mystical in nature who knows but then you bring up well time not time. a not a primordial entity that may have been like 500 years old that was that was kind of cool no no that that's in my fun, opinion but, like, but but something dark and mysterious that may or may not be a monster that that sleeps under your bed at night and you just don't know what's there but you'll never find it that kind of like Cthulhu, but not, not everlasting and ancient. You know, just just yeah. like mon- like like one of those dark creatures from myth that is just always there, but not there at the same. You know what I mean? It's like like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then you bring up time travel, and I love time traveling stories, and that's eventually somewhat somehow that that's what this became. It's a time traveling story. So he brought me back there. And at the end of reading the like writing down the notes, I figure it's it's crazy how much was fit into this issue, but it didn't feel bogged down with information. There was so much going on here. There was so many like callbacks and hints and tidbits and, and references and story plot and it just it was heavy, but it didn't feel heavy. It was really, really interesting how that worked out. Because at the end of the day I didn't hate the issue. I gave it an eight point five out of ten. Um, I'm really just, I'm just mad about the Joker name. That's that's all I'm really upset about. Yeah, but that's. Did you um? That's did you hear the? Yeah, did you hear the last part where we were kind of talking about the Rip Hunter at the end, or? Um, I, I don't know. If yeah, you about out of the point. the costume. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I mentioned Booster Gold, and then I kind yeah, of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that that would be interesting, but I, I'll I'll hold off till we get to the last issue and see just what's going on there because that, that is an interesting yeah. theory. You make a point about that that does look like his classic mm-hmm. costume, so that's mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting. I don't know. I I hope for more from this book. I hope this ends well because if we're going to get 
some kind of crisis book ending well this year. I hope it's this. Because there's no hope for any other. Yes, that would uh, that would be better. Would yeah. be ideal. That's it. Let's yeah. put all of our eggs in Jeff Johns' basket. I, I mean, if you had to pick between Jeff Johns and Joshua Williamson. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that that feels like a pretty easy choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I'm I, actually uh, pretty nice to him most of the time because again, there are other books of, of his that I greatly enjoy. But, uh, see, yeah. that could apply to either one of the people we are talking about. <laughs> if we're talking track record, then I, I think the answer is oh. definitely more obvious. I'm not talking yeah. recent Tra- track track record overall. Yeah, Jeff Johns. Like I said, I'll never stop. Uh, you got to give the man the respect he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only one of those two writers gave me a run of a character I enjoy that, that is everlasting and, and solid. Yeah. And let's face it, Flash was horrible. So. Oh. I mean, yeah. yeah it wasn't horrible, but it, it sucked. So. Okay. It was not, uh, it was not, not exceptional. Idea. Yes, it was not exceptional. It had no endings. Okay, enough with that. Enough about that. I will go off. Or transitions. So, more transitions. More horrible transitions. Transition. So, eight point five out of ten. Flash won't be on number five. Uh, speaking of numbers, still let's get to our top three, <laughs> shall we? Hey, I like it. Yeah. So, I. I thought we were going to do some right. mathematics when we talk about numbers. I mean, I'm all for mathematics. Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not even gonna bother. Okay, Brandon, what was your topic? Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, no. Let's uh, let's not talk about mathematics. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, top three. Um, is something that I, I probably should have written down in advance, uh, but did not. Um, so I'm just trying to kind of go off memory here. Um, but uh, at um, at number three, I would probably have, I guess, Sword of Azrael, number two. Uh, again, another really solid, really well done issue um, that I enjoyed. Uh, number two, I think just because of a lot of stuff at the end um, and, uh, and, and how it's all kind of shaping up at the Flashpoint Beyond, number five. Uh, and at number one... Um, it's no surprise to anyone. It's obviously Dark Ride number one on sale October fifth. Pick up your copy. Um, no, is uh, is uh, Batman one twenty seven? Uh, just another spectacular read, um, and I'm, I'm still really enjoying this story. Uh, favorite moment was hard because I mean, even if the quality of the books was on a spectrum of good to bad. The artistic quality of the books was not in question at all, and there were so many great art moments in this week's books. It was really hard to choose. Um, like right. I literally, does does, I, does flipping I, through Dear Detective count? Um, <laughs> maybe I don't know. I would have to read it first, um, and a lot of those covers I've already seen. But um, going through like Sword of Azrael and Flashpoint and Dark Crisis, Batman, pretty much everything. It was it was hard because all of them just had this gorgeous stellar art. Um, but uh, I don't know. I was I was really hard pressed, so I decided to go with the not obvious choice, uh, and I went with Sword of Azrael number two um, because I mean I don't know if I would say it was my favorite, but it was just so gorgeously and hauntingly illustrated that it just really stuck with me, and that's the 
splash page, we get a Brielle standing over the dead monks. Um, and we just see their bloodied corpses as she is almost completely immersed in shadow. And it's horrifying, but it is just exceptionally well drawn. Excellent. All right, well, my top three are going to be... I gave it to Sword of Azrael for number three. Number two, I gave to Batman. What an amazing book. But number one, and it's just the story that took it there, uh, Poison Ivy. And it just barely beat out Batman, but it but it did. Uh, and I guess if we're not able to pick a whole book... Uh, like my favorite moment was looking through Vermeo's Batman and then taking like the four seconds it took to, to scramble who the letter was from what Batman's greatest enemy truly is but um I'm gonna go with Superman showing up in the bat uh showing up in Batman uh standing there in the shadows you just kind of see that one eye and he says I'm going to need you to back away from my friend and that was the way that they framed it up with that midwestern drawl just booms when he wants it to it's 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 so good such a such a great line such a great line line. set up so well such a great panel i dug it man there were a lot of great lines there was one i didn't even talk about in here um that that's the the callback to i think it's year one which is this would be a good death um, it's just, I was like, oh man. And he made it work so well too. Um, really but, uh, well. I didn't, I didn't want to talk for too much. That's what that's we're here to do, one. man. I'm, I'm off my game. I think I'm pretty sure it's, I think it is one. your one. If I'm not, feel free to call it's me. It's not your zero. A, a stupid head, an asshole on the a internet. Stupid head, a stupid face, a dumb face. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Rob, what 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 did you put for yours? So real quick, sorry, what was your number three? Mine? Yeah. Sword of Azrael. Sword, okay, Sword of Azrael. <clears throat> All right. Um. Yeah, my my top three are is, is kind of different. Uh, so number three, I had New Champion of Shazam. Really digging it. Uh, number two, I had Poison Ivy, and number one, I had Batman. A solid issue. Uh, for a favorite moments, I went from New Champion to Shazam. Uh, Darla meeting Poppy it was just uh-huh. It really that was. was. That was yeah. Well, that was our favorite moment. Now, as we used to say, it's time for your favorite moments. It's time for the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Nasty so indeed. A, a major stink list today. Uh, today, this week, I was disappointed. I was disappointed by Nubia. It could have, should have been more, and that would have made it for the stink to the stink list if it wasn't for Dark Crisis number four, which just kind of pisses me off with a bunch of nothing happening. Um, and uh, well other than me throwing my money into a pit and that would be on the stink list if it wasn't for Flashpoint Beyond number 5 which not only sucks in and of itself but ruined the previously mentioned Dark Crisis arc so Flashpoint Beyond number 5 
is on my stink list today. Um, I'm probably gonna have to take some some Pepto Bismol this week. Um, I don't know. I didn't have any stinkers, honestly. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to read Nubia, so I don't know whether or not that was disappointing. Um, and uh, I mean, everything else was. I mean, technically, New Champion of Shazam was the lowest scored book I had, but I don't really feel justified putting that on the stinker. So. I'm uh, I'm gonna take some stomach medicine and uh, try and make the best of it tonight. Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, that being said, I did put Nubia Queen of the Amazons as my biggest stinker that did get uh, I, I think technically the lowest scoring title. Uh, yeah, because I had that tied with Dark Crisis, but the character moments of Dark Crisis and the art just put it a little bit over for me. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, and it makes sense too. That's that. And with that, that's our show. So remember, you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NER podcast for just a dollar a month. Get your name shout out on the podcast of your choice, access to all of our material and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot.